Get ready for two hours of hard-hitting football talk. Straight from their jocks about the jocks. It's Football on the Know with Jim and Joe. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome once again to another episode of Football on the Know. I am Jim McFeen. Alongside of me is Mr. Joe DeCapita. What's going on, Nordos? Welcome back for another edition of Football on the Know show. We are ready to go here. Hey, we're going we're heading into week three. We're going to talk a little bit about week two uh, and some other things that are going on. Quarterback injuries galore. I mean, what is going on in the NFL? Talk about injuries, Jim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody I mean, wants to across get rid of the, the board. But... I mean, quarterbacks, every other kind of position, teams are banged up and they're limping into week three some some of the teams anyways uh and if just just in case if you're joining us if you're new to the show welcome to football on the no show we're more than glad to have you here uh we are an interactive show we like to bounce ideas off we talk football uh and uh we want to hear from you guys out there so if you wouldn't mind doing us a huge favor could you head over to YouTube if you're not already there? Hit the subscribe button. Also, hit the notification bell and get notifi- notified when we go live. Uh, we are also on Facebook. You can search us up on there, Football on the No Show as well. Become a member. Become a know-it-all. And as well, we're on Twitter, uh, at FB underscore no. And if you're following us uh, on podcasts, anywhere you can get your podcast, you can go ahead, follow us, uh, join the journey, and follow along. Appreciate you all. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, thanks again. Again, everybody joining us here tonight. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, all that uh, business. And uh, I want to thank to our new sponsors that we have here with us. PPK, Paul Perry Kitchens down in Scotia, Glenville, New York. Let me tell you, if you guys want to remodel your kitchen, I know a lot of people are getting some of that stimulus money, looking to put that into getting your kitchen redone. Not only do they do that, you know, and some of the best uh, companies out there that they work with, Woodmode, Homecrest, but also they've gotten into the custom closets and uh, showers now too as well. So I know a lot of people, women especially, they love to get that walk-in closet, buddy. You get that custom closet going down right now you know it's getting near christmas time too maybe yeah. you want to get that done maybe. for for your loved one you know get say hey honey look what open your eyes walk right into your new closet all your shoes, <laughs> what about a little bit of a waterfall Amazing. shower and yeah. all that huh? oh, i'm sure they do oh, it all yeah. just Let's go do down it. there check out my buddy chris chris boulant he'll take care of you they're at paul perry kitchens on 144 freeman's bridge road uh, in Scotia, New York. All right. So, yeah, let's get to it. Uh, week w- week one was crazy. Week two, even crazier. It's almost like <laughs> flip-flop. That's what I mean. Some, some of the teams we saw week one, you know, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers get blown out by the Saints. And then this particular week, you know, Jameis Winston looks like he couldn't get out of his own way, but he was getting pressured a lot more, too. Oh. I thought that defense was able to hold mm-hmm. on a bit and keep him in the game mm-hmm. and, and keep it, you know, interesting for a bit. But then it just became too much for them, and they get shellacked. I mean, I mean, yeah. some crazy marquee matchups, too, this, this first week, Joe. I mean, what do you think? What, what's one of the ones that really stood out to you in your mind? I mean, actually, you could start off with Thursday night's game, Giants and oh, Washington. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was trying to forget that. Was, that. <laughs> I, I know you were, and, and I, I'm sorry to bring it up, but it was a, a great game. It was, it was back and forth the whole way through. I mean, listen, there was mistakes made on both sides for both teams. There was also even some of the refereeing calls, man. I mean, Jesus. Uh, but anyway, that's every single week in the NFL. We all know that. Uh, but it was it was a it was an uphill battle for both teams. I mean, we saw some some positives on uh, on Washington side. We saw some positives from Daniel Jones and the and the offense of the Giants at times. But neither side actually really clicked. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there was mistakes made by Tyler Heineke for Washington, uh, the the new quarterback now installed there since Fitzpatrick's out with an injury. Um, 
he had some bright spots, but he also was trying to force some footballs down the field and into double coverages, and, and that's what led to a couple turnovers on his, on his part. Um, defensively, I thought that both defenses, despite what the final score was, I felt like both defenses had um, – there were times when they were, they were, they were pretty you know, set in their ways. They were pretty good about uh, forcing the other team uh, to, to do what they want them to do and not like kind of just uh, sit back on their heels and just take whatever they can get. Uh, so, honestly – I thought it was a very hard game. It was a game that we kind of expected leading up to it. It's a rivalry game. It's inner division. They know each other so well. We knew this was going to be either like a close, low-scoring battle, which is what I kind of thought it was going to end up being like. I didn't expect it to be like this high-scoring kind of back-and-forth type of, type of game like it ended up being. Uh, but all in all, it was a very good game. And it was just back and forth the whole way through. Yeah, I mean, and despite the uh, injury to Nick Gates, you know, I thought my world was going to crash before me again. And they had to uh, switch some uh, linemen around and, and bring it in. It seemed like that solidified the offensive line a little better. And I was surprised that some of that pass rush really wasn't getting into Daniel Jones. Mm -hmm. And he had a bit of time. And you saw what he could do when he has a little bit of time to throw it. Because, again, what do you know about him? Yes, he's accurate on the deep ball. So he was able to look at some of those reads and get it down there. Uh, but also what I noticed, which was really big, which we I've been asking and a bunch of my friends when we talk about it, where are the RPOs? Where where are the just the, the, the decide, uh, designed runs for, for Daniel Jones? And there they all, they, they were out multiple times. They're like, hey, it works. Let's keep going. And that's what I liked about this particular game is because they'll do it once. So like, hey, it worked. And then, then they go back to it at all. <laughs> and yeah. you also noticed that when he was running that he was making sure he did protect the ball. Even one particular moment, he went down a little too early before he even got the first down good for him. uh you know but they were able to pick it up <laughs> eventually anyways saquon a little slow so starting out again too but i think eventually when he gets a little more comfortable and they get this game going and that offensive line starts to actually gel together because you think about it this offensive line really together hasn't been together for a long time i mean some of these guys are actually in the throne thrown into the starting position right now they just grabbed a couple weeks ago you know, yeah, they talk about they, Price and Bredesen that end up coming into the game and yeah. stuff. You know, some of them are veterans, obviously, but togetherness and getting that brotherhood together and working together has got to uh, come with with more weeks being played together. Well, really, what the whole deal was is for a newly acquired offensive lineman or two or whatever. Uh, Billy Price was the biggest addition of everything uh, for him to be able to play center to come in and and kind of nail down that position for the Giants. That was key, but also. Uh, Whenever you get a newly, you know, new, new position, new player that, that comes in, they got to learn the system first. They can't just be thrown right in there because, hey, hey, they're in the NFL. They should know because they, everybody's system is a little bit different than the others. The, the, the verbiage for the play calling is different and, and the, the offense overall or defense, if you will, either way. Uh, they got to learn basically a whole new kind of language in a sense uh, uh, by go, when they go to a different team. So for Billy Price to come in and learn the offense actually pretty rapidly. Uh, for him to be in, in, insulated the you know second week since he was there and to not only uh, be able to to relieve the duties of the previous center but also to do it very well I mean he was spot on and uh, was, had, had great pass protection for the Giants it, uh, he was pr pretty decent at, at run blocking as well and it showed on the football field it showed that if you are able to upgrade any of those positions on the offensive line that you can see the difference. You can see that 
The Giants offensive line, the protection was a little bit better. The running plays were a little bit better. Everything was a little bit better. Now, if Dave Gettleman, the GM of the Giants, going forward can kind of maybe maybe pull off another trade or two uh, for some veteran linemen or maybe dip into the free agent pool because, listen, there's linemen that are there that maybe are capable to to help your team become a better offense. You know what I mean? And, and that's really what the bottom line is. Like for the Giants, me personally, I think that's the only thing they really need to strengthen. I, I, th- I feel like they have the weapons there. They have the, they have the running backs. The, the, for Daniel Jones, the type of quarterback he is, and we've witnessed this, as soon as he gets pressure, as soon as he, he tries to make plays, and, and that's where it leads to these big mistakes and, and, and turnovers and, and fumbling issues and, and what have you. If they could somehow strengthen this offensive line, yeah, it's not going to be stellar, but if they can do any kind of upgrades at all, this team could really turn the season around. Uh, the, the Giants' defense is right there. It's even better than last year. It's just got to all come together, offense and defense. If they can do that, then I, I think they could turn the corner and, and, and get better down the stretch as they go. Well, as far as personnel, I think they, ha- they are better. But so far playing this year, they haven't been as good as they were previously last year. But, again, they started off to a slow start last year. It wasn't until later on that they gelled together. Uh, but I would like to see a little more man coverage than the zone because what they've been doing is really that soft zone and allowing everything underneath. And that's how Washington was able to drive on them and keep getting those dink and dunk passes uh, to Terry McLaurin and, and some others and just drive right back down to the field to score back at him uh so that's what i end up making it a one two back and forth if tyler or taylor heineke sorry taylor taylor heineke ends up being a guy that burns you like that what's any other quarterback that's good wait till tom brady comes into town and then just lights you up i mean so that's that's tough because the problem is you these first couple weeks they needed to win a couple of those because after that you're facing really tough competition well, I mean, the the bottom line the, is that the offensive schedule line gets a lot harder. I mean, that that's really what's killing them right now. So, I, I you know, listen, I, I understand what you're saying, like the zone and and you're giving up everything underneath. But teams do this as a scheme. Like, there's a cover three scheme where defenses will utilize, give up those two, three, four, five yards, and then tackle them, and and then you you you're shortening the field. They got to really work hard to get all the way down the field. And by that time, even if they get to the your side of the field. There's so much more opportunity for turnovers to happen. There's so much more opportunity for, for a mistake to be made by the offense that that's what those defenses do. It's like a bend-no-don't-break type of defense, and I think the Giants do it well. It's just the biggest thing is that if the offense can't put up points to help the, the defense out early in the games, you know what I mean? Like right. tr- Try to start to get a little bit of a lead, get a little bit more momentum, and that way the defense can feed off of that, and, and you'll see a difference going forward. Right, and I think they were. They were really going toe-to-toe with them and getting it done, but then again, that's when penalties ended up coming through true, and true, things like that, yeah. and then your missed opportunities. Right. We saw it. We saw it with right. uh, the big dropped pass on the deep pass. Um and the penalty with the holding with C.J. Board on the sideline mm-hmm. uh, when, on that big Daniel Jones run where you got Ooh. to see what he did with his legs and didn't trip on the turf this time or on the grass this time on his way there. He made it he made sure. all the way. And you see that look of, uh, oh, man, after really have to do it again after I did all that? He's like, oh. And, and that's the thing sometimes with, with these uh, refs, and you see this, like that particular play on that, on that uh, penalty, if – that guy just didn't if the defender didn't actually face them when he just had that tug of the jersey mm-hmm. and see that they probably wouldn't have called it there but mm-hmm. also right be- previously right before that the defender ended up pulling on CJ board and kind of tugged down on him so i thought that should have been offsetting penalties if anything 
and then replay the down again. But but when it goes one way, you know, that end up taking your drive from being right there in the red zone all the way back out of it. And then you're settling for a field goal or less. And that's what happened. That's the story of the game. And then penalties finished off the game for him. Right. And, and you can't have that. And hopefully uh, on a team that teaches discipline, they're not looking very disciplined right now and they need to get it straightened out. Uh, another game I think that was really exciting and 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 cool to watch and, and exciting for you, I'm sure, Joe, is the the, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders and the uh, Steelers here. Uh, that game was close for a little bit, but then the Raiders all of a sudden started torching it up without Josh Jacobs, but really showing you what Derek Carr is made of and what he can do. And oh, I already knew. And that <laughs> acquisition. Well, yeah, I'm talking about the mainstream media, big media, out there. Uh, big media, but also what they wanted to do with rugs out there. What was he able to do get explosive and beat people down deep and use that speed to get out there and you know had a great big touchdown in that game too as well and it's it was sad that tj watt ended up coming out of that game for a while so that was tough for that defense Pulled for, groin. for yeah. the um for the the steelers but Vegas, they're 2-0 right now in this division, so where the Chiefs had fallen now to the, the, the Ravens, so now they're 1-1. Ra Raider, Raiders are there at the top with uh, the, the Broncos, but if you look at wins, more impressive wins by the Raiders. Absolutely, and, and that's the thing is, uh, you know, what the Raiders have been able to do. Listen, nobody gave them the time of day the first couple of weeks to win either one of those games, and I'm going to be honest, against the Ravens, I was a little skeptical because it really all it was predicated on is how much improved is this Raiders defense? You know, is it at all improved? They got a new defensive coordinator, a bunch of new players that came in via draft and free agency, especially over the last two to three years. Now it was all time to get it put together, get everybody on the same track. Gus Bradley comes in as a new DC and we, we know he's successful. And, and this gonna, was going to be the biggest test for him, I feel like, ever. Uh, and, and, and just in a, in a short – a, at least they had an offseason to practice and everything. But uh, you started to notice a difference week one when they were playing the Ravens. They had a few stops where normally, if you go back to last season, if you had that defense out there, they're not stopping nobody. Mm -hmm. Lamar would have went right down the field, would have scored another touchdown. Like, they would have been a whole different, you know – outcome that way but with this new revamped defense with the players and they're all they always they're 110 they give 110 percent every single down with with the scheme that Gus Bradley has implemented and and they're getting pressure finally on the defensive line that, that was a critical thing for them and they're getting it done new additions with Yannick Ngakwe Max Crosby is starting to kind of come back into his own since his rookie year and uh they got Tons of depth behind them. Clellan Furl hasn't played the in, the in the last couple of weeks, but maybe he's looking in to come back week three, and that's another player that can wreak havoc in the backfield. So defensively, I feel that's the, the where the most credit has to go because that's what's really changed up for them. And then offensively, they're a top-10 offense. They just – listen – we all know Darren Waller. We Everybody in the league knows that Darren Waller is a very gifted tight end and one of the best out there. But when – and everyone wants to say, oh, Derek Carr's getting better. Here's the thing is Derek Carr's not only getting better, but he spread the football around to eight different receivers th this past week in Pittsburgh. That right there is showing you that he's not just an average quarterback. He's a top ten, or even – you could even say he's an elite quarterback. You can say that because – He's showing everybody, stat-wise. He leads the league right now after two weeks in passing yards. He's, he's showing everybody that he can handle the pressure. And that's the other thing. You talk about pressure. 
every time a team blitzes Carr, his QBR goes through the roof. He's got like a 130 QBR when, when people blitz him. So um, you, you're starting to see the makings of a very potent offense that can stay with a Kansas City Chiefs offense. And now that their defense is improving, they could be dangerous down the stretch as long as they stay healthy. We know that teams are getting banged up right now. The Ravens are banged up. Uh, the Steelers now are banged up. And, and the Raiders, after two hard fights in, in, on the football field, they're even starting to lose players as well. Absolutely. We've got uh, Paul Matty in the house again with us tonight. Hey, what's going on, what's Paul? What's up from Florida out there with what's us up, again? Paul? All right. It's good to see you out there. What did you think of uh, week two so far? Any surprises out there for you? I know you went with our with your picks along with us last week. How'd you do on your picks? I mean, right now, Joe got me again in another two games. He went 13-3. and three, So uh, the, the competition's heating up this year, buddy. We'll see what happens. Maybe I'll fall Don't this worry, year. Don't worry. You'll come It'll be back. Exciting. We'll see. You'll come back. All right. So, um, yeah, again, the, the Raiders, I'm excited for you, too. It's good to see the Raiders win and, and things like that. And I love the way that, that Dome looks, too. I mean, it's really exciting. You've got, you know, uh, John Gruden. I saw they did have some troubles at times in the red zone again. But, again, getting there, though, and a lot of times they fixed that third down conversion uh, part you were talking about when we, they had issues. And I think they're getting the big explosive plays on that Pittsburgh <laughs> defense. And it ended up working out. And now here they go. And that's what you want to start off 2-0, especially in that division where it's right. close because you're going to end up having to face the Chiefs and, and, you know, the Chargers again and things like that. And that's and, the thing you talk about, John. John is still going to be John because as much as, like, I've, I've picked on him since he's been there as a head coach, whenever it's short yardage or it's, like, third and short or something like that, you know it's a run. Everybody knows it's a run, but why John still continues to run the ball anyway is beyond me. But he is starting to come out of a shell a little bit. You noticed a little bit of that in the Ravens game mm. where it was, you know, they, it was, uh, what was it, the third, third, or no, was it fourth down or third down? I think it was third down uh, in like short yards, like four yards or something to get the first down. And that was the overtime, you know, and he, instead of running the football, which typically he would do, uh, he had Derek Carr roll out, play action, and, and mm -hmm. just drop it over the shoulder. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And uh, he says, Paul says, he goes, I was uh, about 50% on my picks. Okay. I mean, <laughs> hey, you know, it's not it easy happens. picking. Exactly. I'll tell you right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, if we don't know. Sometimes we have bad weeks. Like I said, my first week is usually bad. And then I'll have one in a couple other you ones. Because you don't know. A major stinker. Like, Again, like week to week. Yeah. Just when you just when nobody's you think Nostradamus. Nobody knows every single thing every time. You know, I mean, it, it's all whatever you think, you know, philosophy, whatever. Some people that pick completely right a lot of times just, you know, they'd be like, oh, no, a bird will beat up this one. So I think that'll win. <laughs> that one, the that animal. One. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Panthers the gonna eat table. the Cardinal. And, you know, I mean, it's like, OK, sure. You know, I like purple. And, you know, and, and so you never know. Uh, but it's a pleasure uh, having you join us here tonight. Thanks for joining us. Paul. Um, yeah, absolutely. That was a great game. Feel good about the Raiders. Another game I thought was good uh, that I was rooting for the Cardinals here because I want them to take the division here uh, was the Vikings and the Cardinals and the Vikings had them early and then the Cardinals yeah, started true. to get it back together yeah. and you saw what Kyler Murray can do with that rollout pass out to the outside and then throwing it uh, over wide open to the receiver Rendell, there and getting Rendell Rendell Moore. Moore. Yeah, absolutely. My question about that play is Whose responsibility was it to cover him? Because <laughs> right? he literally was standing You're still standing there. and nobody on defense was around him. Mm -hmm. Like nobody, yeah. not even like chasing him down. Nobody yeah. was around and he was yeah. just like, hey, Kyler. Hey, yeah. thanks, buddy. 
and then oh, just. Of course, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. I was like, who screwed up? Yeah, somebody, somebody screwed did. up. Somebody on did that back there. So they were just like, that's more than a screwed up assignment. You know, oh. you know what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 maybe. Hey, but let's uh, hope. Yeah, being close, they came back. But then also, right. the late in the game, here come the Vikings for, fighting back too on some big plays with mm-hmm. uh, Justin Jefferson there, getting it back into field goal range. It looks like a chip shot now for this guy again, and end up missing it right in the last seconds here, and the Cardinals end up oh. winning the game. Uh, again, a scene that is all too familiar here for mm. Minnesota fans. And oh. uh, there you go. The Cardinals end up pulling in the, out the win <sighs> barely at the end. But both teams played really well. I thought, you know, again, the defensive line of the Cardinals played really nice, Whew. too. But uh, Kirk Cousins facing some pressure here was able to get a lot of big plays out there. So the Vikings seem like they're trying to turn some things around here and compete for that division as well. Definitely. And, and that's the thing, too, is like Dalvin this, Cook's a major big runs. This, too. Ca- this Cardinals defense is like we talked about it in the offseason we talked about they have the potential with the new mm-hmm. additions that they have as long as they start to gel that this defense could be not only improved but it could be one of the nastier defenses that you got to deal with so and, and it looks like as it's happening in in the first couple of weeks they've they've handled business uh going forward i mean listen the like, like you know, Jimmy has mentioned Chandler Jones many a times. Uh, we know how gifted that guy is. Uh, to, to have the, the amount of sacks that he has already after mm-hmm. two weeks is astonishing. Uh, and, and the other thing, too, is when you have great – when you have really good players surrounding him, that just is going to heighten his game. So he's just taking over games at times in critical moments where they need it the most. Uh, Cardinals offense, good luck stopping them. I mean, they have a run game. They got a better, improved offensive line. They got weapons galore. I mean, when you think you have someone pegged, you, you really don't. Uh, for the Minnesota Vikings, I, I, I just I, I feel like this is going to be one of those years where they're going to be in a lot of games, but end up losing them just like this game with the Cardinals, where it was just a tight, it was a tight game all the way, and they end up uh, failing in the end. Uh, offensively, they have a good offense. It's it's not like they don't have a good team. It's just. I don't know what it is in Minnesota. There's just something about them where they just give up. Uh, one unsung hero, though, that I'll say about Minnesota's offense is not Justin Jefferson. It's not even Adam Thielen. It's this new kid, K.J. Osborne. Uh, he's the third receiver. And in back-to-back weeks, this guy's not only get, getting eight, eight targets per, per week, but he's a huge difference maker. Uh, so... Uh, watch out for him going forward. I mean, this Minnesota team, they still could turn it around. It's not really too, you know, we're only two weeks in, uh, but Cardinals are on their way to, to making a, a big impact this year. All right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what what other games out there this week do you think that uh, we're really uh, kind of uh, pretty close or kind of uh, we're big time uh, games here for you? I mean, honestly, uh, the Kansas City Baltimore game was, was a good game to watch. Uh, that was, you know, in prime time. I mean, there was a, there, everybody, already, everybody knows like, oh, well, it's the Kansas City Chiefs offense, high explosive type of type of uh, atmosphere in Kansas City. Baltimore Ravens, you know, they haven't beat Kansas City. Kansas City's kind of got their number type of thing. Everybody kind of rolling with that deal. And, uh, and, and Lamar Jackson, that we don't think that he's going to win. Uh, the, the big thing that was made up is that Patrick Mahomes has never lost in, in the month of September. Uh, and we don't think he's going to, it's going to happen now, but here's the thing is the chiefs defense, as much as these, this, the, these chiefs have been hyped up before the season even started. We all know how great their offense is, but defensively, my, my big, biggest question is how much improved are they? 
I mean, what I've noticed is that they've actually moved Chris Jones from D-tackle to D-end, which for him, it's got to be extremely awkward. This is a guy who's played D-tackle his whole entire life, and you're going to move him to D-end, and then he looked lost at times when Lamar Jackson was running those option runs, and he didn't know what to do. Yeah, this kind of... He didn't know if he, he had to come in hard at the running back or yeah. if he had to stay outside. Like, he was a little bit lost in those situations, and it showed dramatically bad. It was bad. Uh, and, and as far as the Chiefs' defense as overall, they couldn't stop the passing game. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know Baltimore don't throw the ball a lot. I mean, they're a mm-hmm. running team. Mm-hmm. But they were able to mix in some passes where it just left guys wide open and... Uh, and, and you see that going back to week one with the Chiefs, teams can throw the ball on this team, uh, on the Chiefs defense. So going forward, I don't, I don't feel like they've gotten much better. I feel like they're kind of the same uh, defense as last year, not really much improved, but kind of just stagnant. Uh, and, and that's got to be concerning going down. I mean, you're only in the, the season two weeks in, but teams are going to watch these, these games and, and say, hey, we can, ha- as long as we, we have a decent offense, we could hang with the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And then maybe, just maybe, once or twice throughout the game, our defense could come up with a, you know, you know, stop them for, to punt the ball or, or get a turnover possibly. So, uh, and then for the Ravens, Ravens got to turn this thing around. And I know it's going to be hard for them because they've had to battle injuries mm-hmm. the, these first two weeks. So, mm-hmm. uh, Maybe as, as the guys get more healthier and, and they come back and they trickle back and they get their starters all, all aligned, uh, they, they, can, they can turn this, turn this season around and get right back on track. Uh, Paul says the D-end always takes on the QB and the option to force the pitch is how he was coached. So Absolutely. Yeah. Here, here. That's, that's the bottom line. D-ends have to contain. That's mm-hmm. their job. So when D-ends either stand still, you're just giving up the outside anyway, you got to contain the outside rusher, whether it be the quarterback or the running back. You got That's your job is to force everybody up the middle. And if you don't do it like Chris Jones, he, he was lost. He really was. And, and it showed. And you're going to see teams pick on his side more often until he starts to get it. Mm-hmm. Listen, Chris Jones, a phenomenal all-pro type of D-tackle. You move him to D-end, now he's not really quite sure what his responsibilities are. And, and because of that, that defensive line is, is going to be hurt by that. So, uh, And the Baltimore Ravens picked up on it really quickly, and they attacked the side quite often, and you, and you saw it in that game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Lamar Jackson was able to run all over the place wherever he wanted and uh, got it done. How and about that fourth down, though? Yeah. Going for it on fourth down, I yeah. was like, whoo. Yeah, yeah, went for it, and he got it, though. I mean, I was confident even that he was going to get it, you know, and I had picked the Chiefs on that one. But uh, uh, it just – and when it comes down to also when you look at these guys, when you when you uh, one thing that bothers me about scenarios and, and when they uh, bring up these new quarterbacks too as well, you and I have talked about it. They want to say, oh, this is um, a new style. This is what these new quarterbacks are bringing to the table. It used to be about mechanics and this and this. But look at Lamar Jackson make this sideways pass and stuff like that. Well, let me tell you, he could have stepped up in that pocket a little bit there and just threw the ball straight out. He did not have to jump sideways and then throw sideways across his face. And that was a wide open pass, which was pretty fairly easy to hit, even if he jumped and kind of tossed it. But on the other flip side of the coin, it becomes detrimental to your team. And that's when you saw Patrick Mahomes 
failing to just go down or do something else, trying, trying to, to make a much. play too much out of what's going on. Yep. And he's done it so many times, and everybody gives him accolades for it, that this time it came about and just bit him in the rear. He just fell right on his face the whole thing and just kind of tossed it. Not even a great pass to where Travis Kelce had to come to it and couldn't yeah. get to it yeah. enough and end up being the interception, and that was the game. Signed, sealed, delivered, goodbye, <laughs> see you later. And that's the funny thing is that big media is is – you know, if that was Daniel Jones, they, they, we got they, grilled. They, oh, yeah. And, and that's the thing is big media is always talking about, oh, my God, Patrick Mahomes, this Patrick Mahomes, that he's amazing. He doesn't ever screw up. He doesn't listen. If you watch these games when he gets pressured and he knows he's in trouble, he he tries to make something happen no matter what. And we witnessed that against the Ravens. Why are you flicking the football, to, hoping that your receiver is going to come down with that when the defender's right there? Uh, so, I mean, he's taking too many risky plays, and now you're starting to notice teams kind of jump these plays, uh, and they're making them pay for it. Absolutely. One of the other games I just want to touch on quick was the uh, Chargers and the Cowboys. This was a tough one to pick. I got one uh, other one after that. Okay, that sounds good. And then, so this one, it was, again, it was close. It went a nail-biter right down to the end. Yes. Uh, again, another, it looked like maybe the Chargers had had it here, but then the Cowboys fight back there and were able to get – that long field goal, I think it was a 56-yarder, uh, yeah. and where their Greg kicker, Zerline. Greg Zerline, had failed him the previous week where he missed like three or four field goals, able to seal the deal for him late in this game and to put away the Chargers, which was a really hard-fought game. The really Cowboys was. end up getting a win. They're one and one on the division and a really tight, weird division now, too, <laughs> again, as well, the we NFC East, which it always is. But now that BN bumps the, the Chargers down. So nowhere now that you have the, the Broncos and the Raiders ahead of that division. But what do you yeah. think about that game, Joe? I mean, for me, like, first of all, kudos to Greg Zerline, because this man, not many people may, might not even realize this, but this guy went through several surgeries, back surgeries. Uh, and, and he's fighting. He's fighting to come back this year. Uh, and you kind of kind of see rustiness in week one. And that's why people were kind of like, oh, oh wait, is he going to be able to play anymore? Like what's happening here? Uh, but we saw him come strong, come back strong in week two, nailed a couple of those big time field goals and uh, giving the Cowboys a chance. You know, what I mean, and, and, and making it happen there. But uh, another thing, too, I want to touch on is Micah Parsons, their rookie draft pick that they selected. Uh, this past draft in the first round uh, was moved to the end in this one. And man, oh man, this guy can rush. That's one thing that we knew about him coming out from Penn State, that he was not only a guy who could really rush the quarterback, but also a guy who can play extremely well against the run. And uh, with him put, moving to the end, it was like they, they weren't missing Demarcus Lawrence, you know, at times with him out there. Like he was balling out. He was creating a lot of headaches for for uh, Justin Herbert, mm -hmm. getting some couple of sacks, a couple of big time plays in the backfield, and uh, I think that kind of kind of definitely helped definitely helped out uh, that that Cowboys defense that's kind of been lacking in Week One. Uh, they they got a spark now, you know what I mean? So uh, maybe the Cowboys defense, you know, is improved enough to where they can make some noise. Uh, go. As, as they go further into the season. Right, it's still getting that pressure, even though Demarcus Lawrence wasn't there, and even getting some interceptions here on Justin Herbert early mm -hmm. on that really set the tone for that game as well. But when you flip it back also on, on the offensive side, that I think that two-headed monster of Tony Pollard along with uh, Zeke Elliott ended up working out nice for them as well. I mean, you call it a two-headed monster. I'm going to say Pollard is getting the most of the touches right now. I mean, you go back to week one, it almost was like Zeke started the game 
But then as the game went on, Tony Pollard kind of turned it on. He, he, got, he was in there for receiving yards. Mm-hmm. He was in there for rushing. Uh, he, he went off on week one. And then week two, again, Zeke started again. Zeke did a decent job. But here comes Tony Pollard again, mm-hmm. stealing away carries, stealing away, you know, you know, catches out of the backfield. So Pollard, I mean, all honestly, I think Tony Pollard is better than Zeke right now. I, I, I just have to say it. I mean, for the Cowboys, if they wanted to go all in on Pollard and start him, I think he's more dynamic. And I think it would really help this offense even more. Uh, but. Again, yeah. we know they're going to stick with that two-headed monster, much like other teams are doing right now in the NFL. I hear you, too. Plus, they're tied to that contract, and that's where even yeah, Cowboys exactly. fans, especially exactly. after these past two weeks, have been out there uh, and taking a look at it, and where we have said, like, this is where you challenge the money on running backs. Where right. does Where is too much too much? Because right. uh, that was the question here about even with Zeke. Where are you going to invest all that? You know, And they did, and then they had the question about the quarterback, and that, that's where people said, well, you got to pay the quarterback. Uh, you know, why yeah. you're giving it a hard time here for Dak and this is and true, this and that, true. but then you gave it to Zeke, but where he hasn't really had the production and Tony Pollard's on the other side looking, like you said, a little quicker. He's got a little more dynamic moves and he's not getting paid the same amount and he's having like more, like he's a better, more production overall. So that's and what then, people take a look at. And, and real like, quick huh. on the chargers. Uh, listen, charger fans do not panic. Yeah. I mean, I it's really early in the season. Listen, to get the guy's got a really good team. Uh, I wouldn't worry about it too much. It, listen, here's the problem. When you face teams that you don't normally face, it, it, you got to kind of feel them out throughout the game. And if you don't make the, just the right adjustments or make, uh, you know, execute the plays that you need to execute, that's why you ended up with, with the loss this week uh, against Cowboys. They're a different opponent, not used to them, uh, and just couldn't come back from it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one, other, one last one that I wanted to get to is Tennessee and Seattle. Mm-hmm. The Titans and the Seahawks, this was a, this was a really good game. Uh, I was kind of a little surprised. I, I thought, you know, after the debacle in week one with, with Tennessee kind of getting mauled, uh, I was like, eesh, I don't know. What's going on with this offense? What's happening? Their defense is still just as bad as last year. Uh, I don't know. What's going what's gonna to happen with this franchise going forward? Uh, you know, so and going into Seattle, this was in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think that the Titans were going to pull this one out. I, I thought that they would struggle a little bit. Seattle Seahawks were going to were going to create a lot of pressure with their various splitses that they do. And, and Russell Wilson and, and their offense, I feel like they were going to get a lead early and just kind of maintain that lead and end up winning. But man, Tennessee stormed back in this game. Uh, they really let they punched Seattle in the mouth. I mean, quite honestly, they. They, they ran the ball. They, they, they did the, the necessary plays they needed to do to get the win in the very end. Uh, and listen, I, I mean, call myself out. I wrote off the Titans in this week. I, I thought they mm-hmm. were going to kind of just falter to Seattle and not really do much. And, and I was surprised. I mean, hey, that's why they, that's why they say any given Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's why we play the game. So, uh, Titans, man, good for you guys. Way to get back into the win column. And, uh, Let's see what happens in Absolutely. week three. And that's why you make adjustments, too. Because, again, like you were, it, was say, it was happening the way you had called it. The first half was all Seattle. The defense was getting to him. Russell Wilson was throwing at will to these receivers. You know, yeah. Tyler Lockett, another big, huge play again as well. And Lots of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just it looked like they were going to take it, you know. And then yeah. they yeah. make adjustments. They weren't yeah. able to run. It seemed like they were uh, calling more pass plays, too, even yeah. almost to kind of like, well, we have Julio Jones now. We have this. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. And you, let's utilize it. Instead of getting back to the basics of what they're good at and what they're built for, 
that's when they ended up turning it on and being able to get Derrick Henry out. And then that's, that's when he stretched out for some big, big <laughs> runs. And again, you try to stop him, and he's just pull, 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 was knocking them all over. And and they were able, like you said, just even when that run game getting it involved, coming back just like that and bringing it close and taking a victory right at the end. I mean, it was it was it, it pretty interesting. I almost put them as a, we we do we do the picks. Yeah. I had Seattle right there, right the right W for a win, and I'm like. What? What? What's happening? No! <laughs> you know? Like, no. Like, no. Like, I know, right? Oh, yeah. Come hey. On. I mean, hey, another another epic week in, in week two uh, of the NFL. Yeah. Uh, let's see what week three brings us. Hey, hopefully teams that are injured right now and, and, and are kind of battling out, hopefully they, they get some healthy guys in for week three and so we can see some better games here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, talking about uh, battling back and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, what's going on? I've got a segment that I'm going to bring to the table here. It's something I decided to come up with, and I, I would take a look at some of these players that end up uh, playing well you know, here and there, but then all of a sudden, where are they down Sunday? you got a fantasy player. You're like, this guy does does me good every week. Yeah, what happened? You go in there, week? and then you're like, dude, where are you? Didn't never show, it's a no-show, not there. So I came up with the milk carton player of the week. It's for the guy that's just missing that weekend. I didn't do uh, week one, so I'm catching up with that. I'm going to get to that one, and then in a little bit, I'll go back to week two. But here we go. From week one, uh, the milk carton player of the week had to be Aaron Rodgers because, again, when Absolutely. he played that Saints defense, uh, just rusty as hell, not being able to get the plays done, and uh, putrid for fantasy owners, which is one of – we had him in one of our teams. That's so right. we ended up getting like one and a half or two points for him altogether. So well, the milk rough. carton player of the week for week one for me was Aaron Rodgers. So that's week one. I'll get back to week two in just a little bit uh but he talked about it before joe he talked about the injuries that we faced uh this particular uh this week i mean the the the, the 49ers yeah, like seemed weeks. like every time they put a running back out there it was like bing don't uh, send him out on a stretcher boom just, bing oh he's gone i, I, I you know? just have to say this as a disclaimer to any free agent running back that's out there if you would like to stay healthy this year do not sign with the 49ers they are cursed Anybody that's signed with them has been injured. I mean, it's been absolutely insane. The, the amount of injuries for that position, for at the running back position for the Niners, in two weeks, they've lost literally everybody that they've had. Mm -hmm. So I'm just warning you. If you're signing with the Niners, you most likely will get injured. Yeah, I mean, we see even uh, Baker Mayfield had a bit of an injury, but he came back in and ended up coming come back and winning that game, which ended up being close against the the, the Texans out of, of everybody. I mean, the Texans, I think, have kind of been my surprise so far this, this season, uh, these past two weeks, you know, uh, playing bigger than what it looks like their personnel has. Uh, so mm. uh, kudos to them. But, I mean, everybody getting banged up. So we're going to talk about some of the, the most uh, – the, the injuries that – have the most impact on their teams and let's start it off here with the bears and andy dalton right here and having uh that that foot injury and and uh here you go this is what we kind of asked about with with the the um the bears i mean was it going to be even just his play or not or what was it going to take even to make the switch and just like it happened with tom brady and drew bledsoe and stuff like that all you need is just maybe that little bit of an injury and we had talked about it with jimmy garoppolo possibly with the 49ers and that's when you would see trey lance but lo and behold a bunch of injuries throughout this season or throughout this uh, week and andy andy dalton was going to be their guy even after uh, earlier today uh mac Nagy said well if he's healthy he's going to go and he's going to be my starter again right yeah. And he was going to play. And then all of a sudden, lo and behold, I think it's worse than ever than, than what we thought. And so he will not be starting. So now enter Justin Fields. 
And Thank God. it's going to be hard, especially if he produces this week, to go back to Andy Dalton once he can come back and see how fans react to that. I'll tell you right now, I mean, this is kind of like a blessing in disguise for Bears fans out there. Uh, you talk about, oh, this is going to hurt the team. No, Andy Dalton getting injured is not going to hurt the team. In fact, it might actually improve this damn team. I mean, when you have Matt Nagy claiming the, the starting spot to go right to Andy Dalton from, throughout this, this offseason program, uh, even in preseason games, you saw flashes from Justin Fields. Like, wow, look what he did there. Look at him extend the, extend the play there a little bit, just enough to get the ball into the end zone. Look at him take off and run. He adds a different dynamic at quarterback that Chicago really does need because, honestly, their offensive line isn't the best right now. Uh, and they're going to need a guy like that from time to time. So uh, now Justin Fields is going to finally get his start as a Chicago Bear, officially, week three of this season in 2021. And watch out for him because I think he's going to steal the show this week. I really do. I have I, I was very high on Justin Fields uh, in, the, in the draft. I thought that he was going to come in. As long as he's able to learn the system, He's got every other intangible you possibly could need. Super smart. He's accurate. He's got a strong arm. He's mobile. Wait and watch this week uh, for Justin Fields. I, I think the world is got this guy's going to blow it up this week. Yes, he may he might still have some mistakes here and there because he's a rookie. But I'm telling you right now, he's going to really help this team uh, get some W's in that column. All right. Yeah. I mean, but when you talk about the last game too, even though Justin Fields came in, I don't think he really like. Uh, tore it off the roof or anything no because you've really got to remember improved. yeah you got to remember he only practiced he practiced right. with the second team right and that's he, where you see the difference you're between gonna see preseason that you're gonna and what's see going that this on. week listen he was showing flashes in preseason when he was able to practice with with everybody and, and he had that chemistry going and everything darnell mooney might have a mm-hmm. might have a breakout game in this week because that's one of his favorite targets so watch out for this chicago bears offense i think in one week if Nagy does go back to Dalton, let's say Dalton's healthy the following week in week four, and Nagy decides to go back to Andy Dalton, even though Fields went in, did his thing, got a W for the team, now you know where Nagy, where where he where his where he relies on on his power and and he's trying on a power trip type of deal, trying to say no, we're going to do it my way. I want to stick with the veteran. Blah blah blah. Listen. Nagy has his head was on a spigot before he drafted Justin Fields. Everybody kind of wanted him fired to, to begin with. If he makes this decision again and it backfires once again on him, he's got to go this year, no matter what. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Yeah, they're ready to get rid of him there. So, I mean, uh, but then you look at that game, it was mainly that Chicago defense. They came back. I mean, look at this defense. Mm-hmm. They played outstanding here, and that really healthy, propelled finally. that team to, to get where they need to do uh, and uh, really take a hold of this game. Uh, and everybody on every single level of this, say Roquan Smith had that, that pick six. I mean, on every uh, phase here of, of that, they, they end up pulling through. And if that defense can uh, hold tight for them until Justin Fields gets a little more acclimated getting that offense together uh, with his skill set, they could turn around in this division to where now – uh, the the, the Packers things. even look you know vulnerable. Right. Uh, the right. the the Vikings still look vulnerable. And look at the Lions. The Lions, even though they have lost some of these games here, they're competitive. At times during the games, they're in it. They're in it. It just happens to be again some of this the mistakes, you know, turnovers here and there, or the pressure, and, and then it just they can't get it, get it done. But yeah. they're in it. 
You know, I mean, so uh, the, the sky's the limit for this team if they can get it done here. But the question is, if Andy Dalton is healthy, do they go back to him or do they just ride no. with Justin Fields? I, if they're smart, no, because either way you're going to either way you're going to have to make this change. And it's got to happen this year. You, you want your quarterback. Listen, I would understand if Fields wasn't ready mentally, like he didn't know the offense that well and, and, and that type of deal, then I could see, okay, maybe you do have to sit him for a year. Maybe he's just not ready yet. But every all indications, you know, coming out of Chicago, people are high on this kid. They love him. Uh, they love his mentality. They, they love how smart he is and everything that he can do for them. In the, in the, in the quarterback room, he knows the playbook. I mean, so what's the holdup now? But if he can handle it, put him out there, get him some experience this year. Because, yeah, they, they might, Chicago still might not have the best year with Dalton or with Fields, whichever way they go. But at least you, if you have Fields out there, you're getting the experience ready to get better, even better next year. Uh, so that's kind of my stance on it. I, I think it, as soon as you made this decision now, now that Dalton is injured, now I think you just ride the wave. Like, you got to ride the way with Fields now because it's one thing if he goes out there and he just gets slaughtered, right? Mm -hmm. If he gets out there and it may be, you know, okay, now that he knows he's the starter for this week and he kind of gets a little bit maybe overwhelmed and that type of deal and you, and you see him struggle mightily, okay, fine. Then you, could, then you have a legitimate reason to maybe put Dalton back in. But if that's not the case, like I expect it to be, I expect him to be successful this week. And if he is... You don't go back to Andy Dalton. It's 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 done. Pass the torch. You're done. Move on. Let Justin Fields carry this team. And and you talk about the defense. Biggest problem with the defense last year is injuries. Yeah. Everybody was injured. Yeah. Eddie mm -hmm. Jackson was gone. Roquan Smith mm -hmm. was gone. Akeem Hicks was gone. Mm -hmm. Khalil Mack was banged up. He even missed some time. So I mean, going forward, if Chicago's defense stays healthy, and that's definitely going to help Fields down the stretch. You know, give him more opportunities. Chicago could really do do their thing this year, and they could be this surprise in that division. Mm, absolutely. And so one of the other quarterbacks that came up, uh, lame again here. We want to talk about lame. We're talking about Chris, uh, uh, Car uh, Carson Wentz here. Carson Wentz. This guy. The injury bug. He's almost like one of those. Uh, now you got to think that maybe there's a voodoo doll out there after, <laughs> after right? Carson right? Wentz. And somebody just keeps poking that pin and there's another injury here and there. Because now he even has two sprained ankles here. Can, uh, can I ask you a guy. question? Can I ask you a question? <laughs> How the hell do you sprain not one but both your ankles? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, that's, a, that's a huge feat. Like yeah, huge, I, I've never done. I played pun intended listen, on that one. I used to, yeah, I used <laughs> to play basketball, right? And yeah, I did. I would sprain my ankles because when I would j jump up to get the ball, whatever, on my way down, I would usually step on someone's foot, and there goes my ankle. Right, R would roll over. Mm -hmm. I have never, ever, ever even come close to spraining both ankles. At the, you know, in a, in a game, that's just crazy to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. He's got he's got away with it because. Uh, here, let's take a look at the injuries that he's had throughout his career. We've already got here the concussion here in 2019 playoffs, mm -hmm. broken wrist in 2015. Um, Been and, there. Yep, yeah, stress fracture in the back 2018, 2016, the rib hairline fracture, torn ACL, LCL in 2017. The, the injury he had in the, in the preseason. Right. Now then, that just to add on Before to those, the, season, you know, yep. the, the two sprained ankles there as well. So Whew. that's just Carson Wentz in a nutshell. Can you just and this is why... Uh, the, everybody's been have questions about him. Can you just say like, career's done? Like now, that's got to be the conversation now. Like the guy's injury prone. 
Now you can slap the hell of that that tag on him and say, well, he was kind of like, okay, getting injured kind of often. Maybe he's injury prone. Now it's like, bro, you got two injuries in a matter of like a couple weeks, and, and now you're going to miss some time. You gotta be, you're injury prone. The, the Colts as a franchise now, I feel bad for them because they were heavily invested in him to come in, start a quarterback, and kind of help them maybe even compete for this division. But, man, the Colts, even the Colts team overall does not look good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were Listen, we talked about them. Like, the Colts defense was really good last year. Looks like they're being susceptible this year to, to offenses. And then uh, the Colts offense not really hitting on all cylinders. So, and now you got the issue with your starting quarterback who most likely is not going to be available to you for several weeks. Um, what do you do? I mean, Gardner Minshew has now already been traded. He's he's an Eagle. He's the backup for the Philadelphia Eagles, so you don't even have that route to go to. Mm-hmm. Like, who is available? Like, I think if the Colts want to turn this season around, you gotta be able you you gotta be able to make a move here if you want to save the season because it's only week two going into week three. You gotta do something. F- s- call some teams up. Ask about their their backups. You know you can't get Miami's Jacoby Brissett now mm-hmm. because because he was there uh, last with the Colts. So that would have been a nice uh, you know addition if they could have pulled that pulled that one off. But he's now he's the sole starter. Two is hurt. Like mm-hmm. now, what do you where do you go now? You know, so well, all you have now is Jacob Eason right now. I mean, until you do uh, go somewhere else. But uh, again, do you go the uh, uh, did Blake Bortles get picked up again? I know he had visited with the, uh, the it was out in Green Bay no. for a little while and then they dropped him. But no, I mean, I now, mean, I mean, so I mean, he's out there, I guess, if you don't mind uh, tongue biters. I guess and, it doesn't matter. That, like now you just uh, have to you have to bring other veterans in because you can't rely solely on, on Nick Easton or or uh, Sam Ellinger like. Sam Ellinger is a rookie. He needs time to develop. We, we already know that. That's why he was, went a little bit later in the draft. But uh, th- neither one is the answer right now. And, and I think they need to do whatever they can to try to get like a, a, a veteran quarterback in there that could kind of handle it and ride the wave out. Yep. Too many injuries to Carson Wentz and doesn't look like that uh, anything's going to change Listen, for him anytime soon here. This is, you know, and, and this is something too, like does this spark the conversation in Indianapolis now for Deshaun Watson? You know, I, I mean, don't think they have the. Uh, they uh, definitely have the money. Do they? Oh yeah, they have the money. They were uh, one of the top. Paul teams says in he cap. says here uh, Cam Newton to the Colts now. You know they were going to hear that conversation possibly here, now too. Here, here's my thing about Cam. Unless you plan on changing your offense, you don't sign Cam, because Cam Newton needs a certain type of offense to fit his uh, traits, his attributes that he does very well, and we all know what that is. That's running the football. That's RPOs. That type of deal. That's short passing yards, intermediate passing yards. Uh, so unless you're going to change your whole offense in the, you know, as the season has already started, I don't think you make that kind of a move. Now, that doesn't mean you can't bring him in, but he may struggle in the, the current offense that the Colts do run. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, take it as you will. Uh, I don't think it's the craziest idea because they are desperate now. So. Yeah. You know, desperate measures call for desperate times and and just freaking go for it. Thought you even had what it takes to compete in this division, but then also make a good deep playoff run. I mean, because that's what you were looking at with this team as well uh, to to do it while the strike while the iron's hot. Right. And and that's why they end up to try and get Carson Wentz because, again, you had Phillip Rivers back last season. 
uh, on his tail end of his career, then finally retires here. So they were like, oh, maybe Carson Wentz already knows the playbook. That'll be easy. Go right, right. in there. Yeah. And if he can stay healthy, he can, maybe we can regenerate what we had back when Frank Reich was over there with Philadelphia. And that's what they were kind of hoping they would mm. get. And unfortunately, you're getting what you have had for the past of the, of the latter years here with Philadelphia with yeah. the Carson Wentz. And it could be washed up, like you said, now just too many injuries, too many things like that. Uh, he's, again, just uh, trying to make too many plays on his own, too, as well. And that's where some of these injuries end up happening because he's trying to run for his life, run, try to make a play and the ding, yeah. boom, boom, bam, down. Right. And that's the thing is, like, there's not a whole lot of pickings out there for the, for the Colts right now. And. Uh, it's going to be tough. This season's going to be tough for them now that now that Wentz once again uh, has been injured. Uh, they're going to make a move. I just don't mm -hmm. know what it's going to be. I don't think they're going to stick with the the young Easton kid or Eason. Eason, um, Jacob Eason. Yep. I, I just really don't know. I, I think he's going to struggle not only mightily, but it, it's just going to be a dismal season mm -hmm. for them, and it'll be kind of a wash. So, yeah. got to make a move somewhere. Uh, you know, Geno Smith yeah, is in they Seattle. They even <laughs> talked about early on in the season, too, when that first injury came up for Carson Wentz that they had talked to maybe Phillip Rivers and maybe considered, you know, coming out of retirement even to, to yeah. go play with him. But I don't know. Is this, it's this, it could, this and, far now? But he also is a coach of, I think, is one of his high, son's high school, teams, yeah. high school teams. So. Yeah, and that's um, the thing, too. is in, and in, He's enjoying it. But so. Phillip Rivers has stated, like, he doesn't want to come back now. Mm. Like, he wants to come back. Like, if someone loses a quarterback down the stretch, right. maybe going into the playoffs type mm -hmm. of deal or has a shot at the playoffs – then he'll come back. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't want to go through this whole, this whole long stretch of games and, and kind of beat himself up, uh, you know, as, as they get down to the end. But uh, it's an op it, it's a possibility. Mm -hmm. Can't really throw it out there. Maybe he changes his mind and, and will come back for the Colts. But uh, something's got to be done. That's all yep. we know. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, one of the other injuries that came up here from the Miami Dolphins here was Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, and again, he went down early. Now he, it comes out that he has what a fractured rib or a fractured rib. ribs. Yeah, ribs. And uh, he went down. It looked like it hurt. And 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 oh, uh, in pain. A lot of pain. Out, you know, for most of the game, majority of the game. And yeah, he was they done. weren't able to do anything against the Bills. It was just brutal. Jacoby Brissett looked rusty as hell. He uh, looked I mean, bad. Just really bad. I mean, and he it, looked even a little out of not, shape. You know, and so, that's what I was just going to say, too. Because even when, it, it, you know, he used to be kind of a, a little bit mobile. Not the most mobile quarterback, but he used to get out of trouble mm -hmm. and, and, and could get, like, maybe five yards on you or whatever. But now he, he just looks, not only does he look rusty, like you said, but he just looks out of shape. He looks lethargic you know what i mean like even his throws were kind of weak you know what i mean like yeah that's it, like, the thing too it, had it was behind the throws yeah it didn't li really look good and I, I and i can understand like you could make the argument like okay yeah but he didn't practice with the starters and you know he's, he's got to go through his thing yes but he didn't look good you know as a quarterback like the, the way his mo movement was like uh even like his decision making like try, trying to like just do whatever he could uh but man if that's any indication how Miami's season is going to go, it's not going to be very good. That is one big pile of shit. Yeah, it could be. It could be for them again, and not to even put anything up against a uh, your rival here, the the Bills, a, a team that you're trying to compete and contend with to take the division, Ooh. and uh, not even show up after that. Uh, it was pretty disappointing for them. But Tua, what do they do after this now? Because you saw even how Jacoby Brissett played. Will they be able to work with them this week and get something else out of them? 
uh, you're already hearing the the rumors about, and you know, of course, the rumor mill is going to go. The media is going to be like, all right, well, we heard about maybe they're talking to, about getting Deshaun Watson. What's, what's going to take now? What's going to do? What are you going to do? There's also Cam Newton out there, so you're hearing all that talk again. Uh, so, do they possibly make a move here? They ride it out with, uh, you know, Jacoby Brissett. I mean, it's one of those teams again that you you uh, had all these draft picks and were looking to go forward mm -hmm. and one of those teams to compete and now you know the 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 river injury and they said i think it was like a couple weeks uh you know so hopefully J jacoby Brissett can get it together enough to just stop the bleeding a little bit and and, and get this team uh you know <laughs> you know competitive but looking at that last year last week it did not look very good especially to a buffalo team that the prior the week i mean they had it they had the the Steelers game, but then they just kind of just I think got a little too reserved and, and allowed the the Steelers to come back and, and, and win that game. But uh, this time they were there, they were there and they were sharp. And, and Josh Allen was right on point with his throws. Not like the first week, he was kind of a little errant in some of the throws, a little off pace, a little overthrowing. I think it maybe was a little too amped up or or something. But it was just a little the accuracy wasn't there. Mm. They played a lot better. But the Miami Dolphins have some questions to be answered here for the quarterback situation. Yeah, definitely. And and this is going to be a little bit of a, of a problem. Is we we what else we've noticed is the offensive line for the Dolphins hasn't been really gelling that, that well. Uh, leading to a lot of quarterback hits, a lot of sacks. You know what I mean? And that's where, you know, Tua ends up going down this past week. Buffalo Bills, man, they were turning up the heat, and they were coming after Tua with no regards to any kind of any kind of thing that, that Tua could do against them. Uh, so, uh, listen, no fear at all. They just came after him, and, and they kind of got the better of them right from the jump. Uh, Miami Dolphins now going down the stretch, I don't really know. I mean, Jacoby Brissett, the way he looked last week, I don't have a ton of confidence in this Dolphins team right now. I mean, they're kind of in flux with Tua being injured and, and the whole talk about maybe trading for Deshaun Watson. Heck, they, maybe it was the Dolphins that offered three number ones for Deshaun Watson, mm -hmm. you know, a couple weeks ago where we, we got that, that report where uh, – and, and the Texans turned it down. So mm -hmm. if that's the case, then you know Miami's out. Like, listen, now they don't even have a trade asset. Like, they could have said, oh, we'll trade you Tua – and three first rounders. That way, you get a quarterback and 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 plenty of incentives to to make that deal. So now that Tua's hurt, and the fact that he keeps kind of getting hurt once in a while, uh, how how long can Tua last? Now, like that was kind of brought into question coming out of college, and now that he's getting hurt yet again, uh, I don't know. Tua for him to be successful, he just got to stay healthy for one. Uh, and until that happens, I think that that's where he's going to struggle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that brings us to a, another team. If you want to talk about the Deshaun Watson uh, mystery and things as well, we got Tyrod Taylor who ends up going down too with the injury here for the Texans who were playing tough in that game. And they almost pulled that out, that victory, uh, even after, uh, you know, Davis Mills was in the game, you know. So and that's the, the thing is, is when you have Deshaun Watson there just and not even being able to show up and just not even a, 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 a thought about p potentially playing for this team and, and where you have to march out Davis Mills right out there to take, to take over for you. Um, it's tough for this team, especially when they've kind of been such a bit of a surprise, I think, for me this, this first two weeks. Mm -hmm. And if you had Deshaun Watson in there, this team could maybe compete with some of those other uh, guys out there in, in this division, the way this division's kind of uh, being laid out there. But 
again, you've got the court case. You've got all kinds of other things. What's going to happen? Uh, is it, where's the uh, even the uh, the uh, uh, exemplary uh, exemplary list there for the um, um, the NFL? Uh, he's not on that list, even so. I mean, so he still should be active to be able to play still, right? I mean, he's not going to so play for them though. Oh, I know, but that's I mean, that's I mean. that's the the sad thing. So what? Like every, they, it's and, almost stuck there. So what do you do? And that's if you're the funny not going to trade him, and you're not going to play him, and he's not on the exemplary list, then you should be able to trade him. So what are you going to do? Trade them. That's what that smart thing would do. Uh, but Houston's not very smart. They're not, they're not an organization that does all, always the right things, uh, as we all know very well. Um, but here's the thing with Deshaun Watson's situation. That's in flux. Like, good luck getting a trade partner. And, and there was a team that was offering three first round. We don't know exactly who it was, but they offered it, and the Texans turned it down right now. Mm-hmm. Like, even with him in court. Like, they just wanted the rights to him, and they turned it down. think that was a bad move on Houston's part because what happens if the court proceedings continue, they finish, they come to a verdict, he's guilty. Good luck getting that trade value anymore mm-hmm. because now, now that he's guilty, now the NFL is going to come down with a big-time suspension, you would, you would assume. Uh, he's gonna, he, you know what I mean? And, and then what do you do? Because now you're not – instead of those three first-rounders that you once – probably could have gotten fairly easily now it's like oh well not he's been convicted of this we're not we're taking a risk you know teams that want him they're gonna say we're gonna take a risk we'll give you two number ones and 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 a quarterback or two number ones and a couple of lower picks you know what i mean to make this deal go through they're not going to get this blockbuster mega deal like they were hoping Mm -hmm. you know i don't know what houston was thinking with this whole situation but now you got Tyra Taylor going down with an injury. He's going to miss some uh, several weeks. And uh, now their starting quarterback is a rookie. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, and listen, they had, no, they had no first or second round pick in this past draft. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they were hoping to get like one of a, a halfway decent quarterback. And they might have gotten one, but a guy coming out of college who's very heavily injured is the issue is why Davis Mills uh, was available in the third round uh, for the Texans. They took a risk. They grab him. Not to say that he can't be a star- can't become a starter, but in college he was so injured it was almost like he was never on the football field. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know how he's going to be able to last in the NFL, but hopefully he does, and maybe he turns out uh, you know halfway decent for the Texans. But that remains to be seen. You got a rookie coming in who clearly didn't win the starting job. Tyra Taylor was way mm-hmm. better than he was. Mm-hmm. And now you're feeding him to the wolves. He is not ready to take the to take the torch, take the football, whatever you want to call it, and, and lead this team. Uh, so he's going to have to do his very best that he can. Uh, Texans are going to have to try to keep him sheltered in, in a sense and, and try not to ask too much of him. Mm-hmm. Run the ball a little bit more. Throw the football short, like high percentage throws. And hopefully uh, Probably they can rely on a little bit of that running game that they got going out with the mix of running backs uh, how, that they have, I guess. But, but it's kind of funny because going into this game right there, they're eighth in offense. Can you believe that points for yeah. for Can you believe that, that they are that, you know, up there in the rankings? No, I can't. But I mean, they it's made pretty it surprising. Happen. And they ended up and it's sad because you remember with Tyra Taylor end up getting uh, the punctured lung back with the Chargers. And that ended his spot for them because, again, Justin Herbert comes in and they were 
hoping to get the guy that they had that he was back in Buffalo when he was not producing turnovers, pretty consistent, uh, not, you know, making the smart throws. And it seemed like that's what Houston was getting now. And they and it was an exciting time for them and and Tyra Taylor. And just to see this happen to him uh, again, it, it's kind of sad for that. But hopefully he can bounce back from this quick and, get, and have a speedy recovery. And that's all they can look for. And in the meantime, Davis Mills gets some real NFL experience here, you know, flat oh out, you know, because it's going to be rough there for the Texans, uh, seeing as they're not going to budge on the Deshaun Watson thing. And like you said, if they already said no on three first rounders, and what else are you going to get? You're not getting anything better than that. So people are even just going to probably stop calling and be like, no, you're not going to do it then. There's no, there's no, it's not worth it to us. Uh, so, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens there with, with uh, the Texans. Um, but let's move on to now. He's not out, but imagine this if he ends up going out and it's it's Ben Roethlisberger who's uh, injured a lot too. I mean, we've been on the pro injury, I think, uh, projector.com or something like that. I mean, they, and he's like up there with all so many injuries, almost right there with Carson Wentz as well. The you know, uh, pre uh, predicting how, how much he might be uh, injured, and he's got a, a hurt boobing right now, now Joe. So I mean, yeah. injured pectoral. So I mean, he hasn't been out for the game. But imagine if he's not. Uh, where the team has been playing pretty decent again, uh, but now you've gone back to that spot to where you don't have a successor, and he's decided to stay back into the league again, and now you're settling with Mason Rudolph right there back again. Or it's going to be Dwayne Haskins, but right now we know that it's going to be probably Mason Rudolph, and we've been there, done that. We've seen him. We've seen his experience. You know what he is. When you had Duck Hodges out there as well, and you know the the fight and everything with him and Miles Garrett and all that other nonsense, uh, you knew that he just wasn't the one. Uh, so I mean, this could be rough for the the Pittsburgh Steelers if they have to march out Mason Rudolph here and compete. When again, this, this division's kind of tough here, and we're not sure what we're going to be getting out of these guys. Yeah, very physical division. E each team is going to look to beat each other up. Uh, and already in week two, Big Ben is already injured. Mm -hmm. So, and this is a guy that was contemplating retirement two years ago, mm -hmm. uh, possibly not playing two years ago. Then he came back. And then this offseason, he was contemplating retirement again. And then he redoes his contract. And, okay, I'll play another year or two or whatever. If you have these thoughts, these these ideas of possibly leaving the game because of What's happening right now? He was heavily injured. He was getting beat up as he gets older. Yet again, injured, and now he may he may or may not play this week. And if that happens, that's a huge blow uh, to the Steelers' offense. So we already know what Rudolph is. Not very good. Kind of like a below-average quarterback and not, not the right guy for the Steelers going forward. So um, Big Ben, if he's out, the Steelers are going to struggle. Uh, you know what I mean? And, and teams that are in their division are going to pounce on this opportunity. You know what I mean? And we don't know right now. It sounds like he's kind of questionable for this week, but if he's listed as out and they, and they get a loss from it, you know, another loss. And then, and then he comes back and then he gets hurt again later. You know, I mean, this could really hurt the Steelers uh, going forward and trying to, to push for the playoffs. Uh, and, and I don't know if they have a different route that they could possibly go with. Uh, you know, to, to replace Big Ben going down. Mm, absolutely. So, I mean, that's something to look forward to this next week. We'll see. Um, 
Uh, Mike Tackett's in the house with us tonight. Mike Tackett's in the house. I just saw that bouncing up over there. What's going on, Mike? Uh, yeah, it's good to have you guys on again. Welcome to he the show, says, bro. Uh, he says, back on. We are back on. Yeah, I know. It, we've we've been on, but I mean it's just it's been really crazy here. We remodeled a little bit. We're changing stuff around. There's still going to be more going on. Uh really busy, but uh Mike, it's a pleasure you joining with us tonight. Uh meet Paul here that's with us too. He's in Florida as well. Uh Mike's over there in Florida. He says Cam Newton is knocking on Rooney's door right now about right now. Yeah, there he is. He's like, "Let me in. Come on, man." Uh where is he? <laughs> He, is, is he gonna be able to play with that? You know, who knows? He might fit in with like uh, Mike Tomlin, stuff like that. But there he is. He's at the doorbell. He's right there, and it's not Richard Sherman banging through the door. You know, like no, that. he's not but breaking the door. He's like, here you go. Yeah, right. Uh, can I can I come in here? We'll see. But I mean, if you look at that quarterback room um, with with Dwayne Haskins, what's wrong with that? I mean, that's not mm -hmm. working out for them too. I mean, they, they grabbed him, and and, and it was a, a a win win for them to grab him on the cheap, right? Uh, but I guess maybe it's he's just not grasping the the, the playbook or what? I, I mean, mean you don't you, you don't know what it. these situations. It could be um, it could be just that. It could be that uh, the offensive coordinator that's in place doesn't like certain things mm -hmm. that he does in the offense. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So uh, don't really know. And, and until you get an opportunity, you're never going to really know what he yeah. can do. Yeah. You know, you already – and that's the thing. Like, we go back and forth with Rudolph. We yeah. already know what he is. Yeah, yeah. Give Haskins a shot and see what he can do. Yeah, yeah, and, and the thing is with with Cam Newton, that thing. Imagine Cam Newton and uh, and uh, Big Ben in the same you know, room together. And yeah, like those two personalities. That'd be, be amazing. That'd be pretty exciting. But <laughs> you know what I'm really excited about is my friends here at Mohawk Honda here on Freeman Bridge Road in uh, Scotia Glenville. I drive by this all the time. This this place that you know they have the inventory you wouldn't believe out there. Uh, with the current supply and demand challenges, you know, within the auto industry, uh, it makes it a perfect time now for you to go uh, and get top dollar for your vehicle. And right now, Mohawk Honda, you can take advantage of the Kelly Blue Book instant cash offer. Imagine that, the KBBICO. That's right. Uh, they, put, they will put cash in your hand for your vehicle the same day that you come in. Even if you don't buy from them, that's it. You go trade in. They'll give you the cash just that day. You don't need to buy none of that crazy stuff. They're not all over you. Uh, that's a pretty sweet deal, especially for all you guys that are just reaching recent uh, college grads or students that need a new ride out there or some extra cash. Go to Mohawk Honda here. Uh, they've consistently kept their uh, their lot fully stocked with hundreds of pre-owned vehicles. Their large inventory uh, makes shopping fun as you browse through the many makes and models to choose from. You can also check out their full selection Election online. Stop in, say hi to Greg Johnson, the assistant uh, general manager, Jake Hot Sauce Doyle, Lewis, the VIP man Morales, or one of the many helpful sales consultants at Mohawk Honda. Uh, there's a vast selection of, of uh, Honda uh, certified pre-owns as well. Uh, so come on down to Mohawk Honda and take advantage of the Kelly Blue Book instant cash offer. That's right, instant cash, whatever the Kelly Blue Book says right there, boom, it's in your hand. Mohawk Honda, Scotia Glenville, where they go out of their way to please you. That's right. Joe, we're bringing back Sorry. another segment, too, that we did a few years ago. Mike Tackett probably remembers some of this uh, segment. He might. He's he one might. of the originals. It's been a while. He's, one of, he's an OG. <laughs> but uh, we've got your decapitation of the week, Joe. That's right, baby. Let's That's go. Right. And we have video footage to back it up this time. That's right. So, <laughs> all right, Joe, let's get into your decapitation of the week. Here First it is. First of all, I apologize to anyone on a podcast. won't be able to see this. But, no, that's uh, true. None, nonetheless, decapitation of the week. This week, I selected the special teams. Uh, for the Seattle Seahawks, I mean, the guy just came flying down. And the most incredible thing is if you saw this, like, 100% full go, 
the the receiver was running with the ball 100%. This guy comes flying out of a hole 100 110% and just flat out drives him into the ground. I mean, absolutely annihilates him. I was actually surprised at how he got up after that. Yeah. Uh, it was a cr- crazy hit, and there was plenty more crazy hits this past week, too. You know, I, I think about off the top of my head, there was one in the Steelers game, Steelers-Raiders game. Uh, the Raiders safety Levitt, Andy Levitt, came came across the middle and just knocked the ball loose from Ch- Chase Claypool, separating him from the football, and what a crazy hit that was. Uh, there was also another great hit in Tampa in the Tampa Bay game from uh, James Dean. Uh, the corner came and lit up the running back. Uh, so a lot of great hits this, this past week. A lot more that are going to be coming in week three. I can't wait to get to see them. Uh, but also want to let you know is all the hits that we are going to be showing you down the stretch in this season are brought to you by Ding Productions on YouTube. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, our, our, our one of our favorite YouTube guys, like he does a phenomenal job of, of you know, cutting up all these hits, slapping them all together and, and being able to show you guys multiple hits uh, on his video. So make sure you go ahead and check him out. Subscribe to him. It's called Ding Productions. Subscribe to him. Get the notifications when he whenever he posts. And um, he, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, a channel if you want to check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Decapitation a week. That's how you take down a motherfucker. That's right. That's right. You'll see it every week here. Joe brings you the best. All right. So that's going to bring on our next segment that uh, we wanted to talk about. We just said it was announced this uh, particular afternoon. That's right. Hall of uh, Fame, baby. The uh, Hall of Fame to 122 nominees that they're going to narrow it down to. It's crazy. Uh, but they now it brought up the list. There's 10 modern era players that are up for for the hall of fame right for the this is going to be their first inaugural year so mm-hmm. we want to take a look at those 10 players and ask you guys out there and take a look at it and maybe decide whether we think they might be able to go in this year first ballot or maybe just along in the later rounds or you know the next couple <laughs> of years or if they're worthy of the hall of fame right or if they're not if we look at it like gee i don't really see it so let's get to it first. We got Anquan Bolden here. We've seen him started out his career with the yep. Cardinals, went to the Super Bowl, couldn't get it done. Kurt Warner throws the pick six that goes from east to west all the way back to the other end zone. And uh, Baltimore Ravens, you know, was able to get a, a championship and the 49ers there as well playing for them. Uh, and then they end up finishing off. Uh, I forget who else with the Bills. I think he played with the Bills and then another play, team. So he played with the Bills for like a hot yeah, second. Hot second. Yeah. And then and then decided to retire. That's when he retired. Yeah, yeah. and you end up being, uh, you know, wanted to do more activism for for civil rights and things like that. You know, yeah. uh, good for him on that. But Anquan Bolden, here you go. He's up for his first year. What do you guys think about Anquan Bolden out there, Joe? What do you think? Well, here's you know, a pretty outstanding career. I mean, pretty outstanding career. And here's the thing: is this is what I'm going to compare it to. So he has he has over thirteen thousand receiving yards. And if you're going to look at the Hall of Fame list of the guys that are already in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he's he's in the same crowd with like uh, Tory Holt, you know, uh, Chris Carter. He's right below Chris Carter in, in yards. Uh, James Lofton, Andy Dal- or Andy Dal- Andre Johnson, like uh, is above him. Uh, so he's in really good company along there. Andre Reed, he's above in in terms of passing yards. And then if you go to if say okay, well that's great for for receiving yards, but what about touchdowns? Because everybody loves scoring, right? Uh, so he has about eighty two. Uh, touchdowns and that's going to put him aligned with Reggie Wayne he's tied actually with it, Reggie Wayne with 82 Calvin Johnson has 83 you know what I mean so just by naming a few of those names in in, in those in a couple of those stats I, my money's on Hall of Fame I mean he's he's in great company there 
Uh, so I'm I'm down with having him in the Hall of Fame. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I, I look at Anquan Bolden. I remember him uh, playing for the the Cardinals, and again, was was a good point I think for that Baltimore team. Uh, and it's it's kind of I think he's had one of those sneaky careers. Uh, I I think some of the younger crowd really doesn't appreciate what Anquan Bolden has done for, no. for this league as well. And and, and it's kind of almost lived in the shadow of some of those guys like Larry Fitzgerald and others that he's played on teams with. Uh, but really one of those physical guys as well that's really can get out those those tough yards out of you. It wasn't going to burn you all the way down deep. He was getting those chunk yards out of it. And you uh, would drag physical, you down very physical player. Um, and so for me, I mean, yeah, I think the numbers there, too, as well. Uh, again, I'm kind of shadowed about him not really being a number one ever for a team, I think. But I mean, the, but that's the, not the, what that's not his body type. Right. You but gotta I mean, remember but the, too. Um, the, the numbers are there. He's there. I don't think he goes in this year. I tell you the truth. I don't think he's going to go in this year, but I think probably next year or a year after. But I think he's going to be considered again near almost like the way Torrey Holt was, I think. Yeah, I mean, you look at uh, this year with all the with all the wide receivers that could possibly go in. Like Reggie Wayne is is up for ballot. Mm-hmm. So Anquan Bolden and him are kind of like close to each other. Mm-hmm. Andre Johnson is ahead of them. Uh, you have Torrey Holt. You know, we mm-hmm. talked about him. Like so, you see a lot of the same kind of guys. Heinz Ward is also a big name out there. Andre Risen. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's really worth it, but uh, you know, guys like that are all going to be talked about in in a, in a room and where they're going to have to vote somebody to go in at that receiver position. But it's going to be an interesting – I would love to be a, a fly on the wall on that one. Like yeah. Just to hear what they would have to say about each of these players and the reason why or why not they should be in uh, this year. We got to – you know what? We, by the way, everybody out there, we ended up uh, getting credentials with the NFL, so we're going to be able to do a lot of interesting stuff with the NFL this upcoming year and stuff moving forward, by yes, the sir. way. Uh, maybe we can try and get a room at the hotel where they end up having those guys visit and they give them the uh, envelopes. We intercept some of them. And we, right. can, <laughs> we, we, we can be like, I want to deliver it. Out. I'm like, here you go. Hey, do, do, do. They're like, oh, this is it. They're like, who the hell are you? <laughs> Mr. Bolden, I'm really excited. <laughs> Uh, here <laughs> there you go <laughs> that'd, that'd be fun but yeah look for uh, stuff like that moving forward to us uh but yeah you talk about this guy too as well and we've got andre johnson here who played for the texans and unfortunately that's the problem with his career too i mean despite he, he had all these great numbers too that's amazing yeah. that's what's amazing about his career i mean you had uh uh, David Carr there too was kind of just getting beat to death over there. I'm surprised mm. he's not a vegetable right now. Uh, that franchise started out with with an Andre Johnson, and he did nothing but produce for these guys. And that is again with just terrible quarterbacks from year to year to year. I mean, just yep. sort of like the what it seemed like the, uh, DeAndre Hopkins was going to be stuck in that whole thing for his whole career as well, much like Andre Johnson was getting. Uh, it wasn't until uh, I think some parts where I think. Um, what was the quarterback they end up having? Uh, oh shit, uh, Matt. Uh, Matt Schaub. Matt Schaub. They did have a few years there where Schaub played pretty well for them, and it looked like they were going to step up. Uh, but again, it just never really happened for him. But Andre Johnson, nothing but uh, love for him. He puts out the numbers. He reminds me of much like not the way they play, but uh, with his situation, a lot like. Megatron and, mm-hmm. and, and Calvin Johnson stuck on a bad team, but producing all the way. And it isn't just because, oh, that's the only guy who was just hitting it to him every time or whatever. Let's just go, go, go. <laughs> he had it all. He can get it done. Andre Johnson, 
I think for me, again, I, I it could be this first ballot again, but when you look at some of those other guys out there, I mean, I would put him in this this year, uh, but, I mean, there's a lot of other competition out there as well for him. Yeah, so here's the thing about Andre Johnson is in terms of – you would think that he had a ton of touchdowns because he was such a big athlete, uh, a gifted receiver, and, and he was just hard to, to defend. Mm -hmm. But he only had 70 touchdowns, mm -hmm. uh, which was kind of surprising to me. Uh, and then uh, other than that, like his ter in terms of receiving yards, mm -hmm. he only had 1,000 more than Anquan Bolden mm -hmm. uh, at 14. Uh, so how many, how long, do you know how long his career was compared to Anquan Bolden's or? Well, all I can tell you is how many games he played okay. is 193. Mm -hmm. So uh, as far as far as Anquan Bolden, I'd have to look he played back. 14 years. So he played 14 years. Anquan Bolden played 14 years. Or yeah. Andre? yeah, 14 years. And then Andre played what? Uh, can I you look know. that I up? Look at, I can look it up. But uh do, 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 do. 14 years is a long time. Isn't it? I mean, that's why I even looked at it. I'm like time. counting it up, and I'm like, holy crap. I guess it was. But, again, towards those other ones end up being uh, further further on. Uh, Paul says uh, Wilbur Marshall should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, yeah, it could be, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I remembered him as a player, too, as well. I mean, that was one of those guys I was out there and just respected, absolutely. You know, when I seen him play, I was just kind of like, Man, I mean, you know, he didn't play for my team, but you know what? You got to give that man his due, you know, and that's what it is with some of these other players. And when you when you talk about the Hall of Fame, that's what you really got to do. You got to open up yourself and be like, man, I'm like, you know, I don't like that guy. So you can't be like, oh, you know, he sucks. You know, he's not going in, you know, as much as like, you know, I dislike the way uh, kind of Tom Brady had played or this, or that, whatever. he's going in, he's walking in. That's easy. You know, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, I but, mean, you know, right. But some of these other guys, it's not so sure. So if you look at here, he has uh, 14 years as well. He went 12 with Houston, uh, one with Indy, and one with Tennessee. And some of those other years, again, those are wash years. You kind of forget about that, that he was even over there, you know, Indianapolis and with mm -hmm. Tennessee. So Andre Johnson, 14 years as well. How many more? 1,000 yards rushing more or, or, or receiving more, rather? Yeah, 1,000 yards receiving. receiving. Not as many touchdowns, but I understand no. that as well. But it, also when you think about those Texans teams, uh, for a, a, a time there, they also had Arian Foster, who was like playing pretty well for them at running back too. And that team, those teams weren't very good, so scoring opportunities, I don't think, uh, came out uh, very often for them. I mean, it was a pretty bad team. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, a franchise. You know, I mean, even with certain teams. I'm, I'm just going to say, franchise. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say whether they're deserving of this year or next year. I think that they both deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. They mm -hmm. definitely have the numbers to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, it, listen, it's hard enough to try. I don't know how these guys decipher who gets in every year or not, mm -hmm. because uh, when you have when you have players like this, like a like a Johnson or a Bolden, who are pretty close together in terms of stats. And they're also in terms of like where they where they sit uh, uh, against the all time greats, they're right up there in a great in, in, a, in a great crowded room. Uh, so they both are deserving to be in the Hall of Fame. I I don't know if they'll be in this year, uh, but they are deserving for sure. All right, Mike Tackett posted his uh, decapitation of the week, Joe. Excellent. All right, I'm gonna watch it right now. I think I think I've seen this video already though. It says something about. I don't know, my daughter or something. I, I got to see this video here. Uh, but uh, Andre Johnson, again, I think he he definitely is, is worthy of going in. Um, who else we got here? Let me try to move it on. I want to watch this yeah, video, but we can show. watch it later. We'll do, the, we'll do the show. But, Mike, definitely, you guys want to check out that link. He put it right there in the chat. Uh, everybody on uh, Spotify and, and Apple and, and uh, 
all those other podcasts uh, that you guys listen to us. We really appreciate you guys listening to us. Uh, if you are missing out on some of these videos and stuff that we're doing here, come on over to our group, to Facebook group, Football on the No Show, and on YouTube, Football on the No Show as well. So you can see us out in person. You can catch us on a live show. Uh, but we definitely appreciate you uh, subscribing and listening to us on your podcast as well. Uh, so let's get to it. Um, one of the other ones I think this is an interesting point here is – Devin Hester. Now, take a look at Devin Hester. Not a great wide receiver. He kind of converted to wide receiver in a sense um, for a little bit because I think the the Bears were just so so much struggling on on offense that they just were like, all right, well, maybe we can just make him a wide receiver, make it done <laughs> because of the explosiveness that he so had. Fast. And stuff. Yeah, so, so fast. Yeah, so quick and stuff like that. But known as a special teams guy, straight up. Uh, and this is where the debate, I think, has been for the Hall of Fame. Is there a place for these guys? Because there's a place for kickers out there, which are basically special teams, and they're your team's leading scorers most of the time uh, in their particular franchise. So, Devin Hester, where does he fit? Do you bring him in there just as a sole uh, kick returner? For me, I would have to say yeah, because you know what? You play positions. There isn't that position. If you didn't, uh, I wouldn't say there's more important positions throughout the field, but you're assigned to that position for a reason. You have a job to do, and his job was to return the kicks, and he did it very well. And he should be uh, commended for that. And, and he was, at his time, the best of the best. There was nobody that could stop him. So I think Devin Hester, again, you're going to probably see uh, pushback. I don't see all of a sudden you're like, special teams guy, that's it. First time, first ballot Hall of Famer he's in. You know, but I say in a couple of years, they're going to take a look at it again, let him wait a little bit and say, let's bring this fella in here. You know, he did. He was at the best uh, of his uh, ability right there and the best of the best when he was playing at that particular position. You see it with baseball all the time with closers. Closers play one to two uh, innings and that's all they need to be good for. I mean, you don't see him playing like a whole full, uh, you know, game and then you see closers get put into the hall of fame so uh it, mike tackett says uh, if punters and kickers get in the hall so should returners eric metcalf devin hester steve tasker josh cribs dante hall absolutely dante hall if you guys don't know watch the watch the replays too again on all these guys eric metcalf too as well steve tasker josh cribs even for a time back when he was with cleveland uh yeah outstanding outstanding return guys i think these guys definitely uh, deserve their spot in the hall of fame what about you, Joe? Yeah, you know, so I was taking a look at, like, what he had for receiving yards, punt return yards and kick return yards, and if you combine both of them, it's about 11,000 about 11, yards. Uh, as far as his receiving, he had only 650-some-odd yards uh, for his career. Yeah. Uh, so you could <laughs> j just imagine, like, yeah. that was his career. He only yeah. had 600 yards, didn't even yeah. have 1,000, mm -hmm. uh, and that was his career. So receiver was not his forte. No. Um, although... I was kind of surprised that how team like the, like the Bears and, and, and so forth didn't utilize him more in the slot uh, and have him as a receiver because he was so explosive, he was so quick, he was so fast. I mean, he was ahead of his time in ter in terms of speed. So um, it was pretty uh, amazing when when you got to see him with the ball in his hands. 
how difficult he was to even catch. Right, and I think if you see players of that era and that time, and you see, you hear him talk about it, even some of these other older players were like, man, if I played now, oh my goodness. Because you see him in like a Sean McVay type of offense right. yeah. or something like that, uh, and it could be pretty dangerous here for that team, you know, if he was there and they're doing uh, – you know, all kinds of screens with them and, and pitches and stuff like that. So yeah. uh, jet sweeps. I mean, that would be exciting. And, and that's he would be, you know, doing well right now in the NFL. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing, too, is like and then even if you compared. OK, so even you could even take it as this. So 11 about 11,000 receiving yards he had. You can you can take that and say, OK, well, that counts like kind of like, you know, receiving yards. It's return yards. So when you do that and you look at the you look at uh, the best all time in terms of receiving yards, uh, he's he's in the li- same kind of line with Michael Irvin, Antonio Brown, uh, Calvin Johnson, who's already in the hall. Um, you know what I mean? He's got some some good company. When you combine there. all purpose yards. You're saying that's everything. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that's where he kind of lines up now. Like we, me and Jim have talked about mm-hmm. this before too. Is Shouldn't there be like some kind of a threshold for the Hall of Fame, like a certain requirement, a certain number between uh, different stats for each position that you should reach or should eclipse to in order to be considered for the Hall of Fame? Uh, And what number would that be like for a receiver? You know, what I mean, like as you're looking at if you were able to look at this Hall of Fame list, the most receiving yards is none other than Jerry Rice with twenty two thousand receiving yards that's the cream of the crop right guess who's right below him larry fitzgerald uh soon to be hall of famer uh, you know seventeen thousand. you know terrell owens is third in yards so that's a that's a few to mention and then you got randy moss but if you go down like how far down do you say okay well receiving yards and you know not having that many catches and that the other thing where's the where should be the deadline you know what i mean is it 11,000? Is it 10,000? You know what I mean? When you got guys like Roddy White, uh, Joey Galloway with 10,000, you know, mm-hmm. should that be the cutoff point? You know what I mean? Like, for me, there should be some kind of standard that you have to meet in order yeah. to be considered great or all-time best. Yeah, I think even right there, 10,000, that's probably about right. Because if you're talking Roddy White right. and Joey Galloway, they yeah. were good. But they but weren't phenomenal. So, I mean, right. that could be your cutoff, and then it's up for discussion. You know? Yeah, because I mean, right above somewhere the, around 11,000 somewhere. Right, yeah. at, at, almost right at 11,000. 11,059 mm-hmm. yards is Chad Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's even right there. I think that is a good uh, threshold right there. Mike Tackett says, how about picking players based off of their stats and not names? Erlocker and... Uh, Ray Lewis, both got in way before Zach Thomas, and it's criminal, he says. Uh, yeah, I think some well, of that, the, too, I is mean, well with some of them. But. What I will say is at least they got in. You know, it didn't matter what time he got yeah. in. He got in. Yeah. Uh, uh, they can't always Urlacher, get it right. Urlacher, people had a lot of problems with that. I know. Going in but listen, as well. but, you, um, but a, a lot of the writers that do vote these players in mm-hmm. and, and whoever else is, is included – they they all have hidden agendas too. Mm-hmm. Like they might they might have talked to uh, Ray Lewis, you know, and they loved the fact that he was very religious and he you know he 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 would treat, treated you like a family member type of deal and and that kind of resonated with them. And then when it came to voting, they were like, oh, I love Ray Lewis. Let's vote him in. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like, I think they also take into fact uh, uh, impact on team. Uh, you know when it, when they bring up MVP. 
conversation all the time. Oh, uh, well, this guy, you know, you know, he's more detrimental and they need him more because he brings the energy. He, you know, he's great with the locker room, blah, 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 blah. Not just even stats that he's doing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like if this team lost this guy, right. they would be stuck with him, True. All, you know, without yeah. him altogether. And I think that's the way when they look at Ray Lewis again, they're like motivational speaker again, uh, getting his team amped up uh, towards the end when he did get that last uh, Super Bowl win was on his downturn. We all knew this and his career could have went anywhere after that whole criminal case and stuff like that he could have not even had a career yeah so that's true uh he ended up being able to play and and, and again for a time was one of the most elite uh linebackers out there same thing with uh, Erlacher, but this again stuck on that bears team couldn't exactly get it done had that one shot where you had rex grossman <laughs> as your quarterback just got in there you know happened to string up some games and couldn't get it done. He had Devin Hester, which was your team too, as well. So I mean, that was tough. That 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 Bears team there that year that they went to the Super Bowl reminds me a lot of the Giants team uh, when they went with Kerry Collins against the Baltimore Ravens. Very similar to where they played hot enough to make it through the playoffs, and when they got there, they're like, oh shit! And like now we we've got to play the Baltimore Ravens or this. <laughs> so now when the 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 Bears get there, they're like. Oh, we're in here. Yeah, we anybody can do this. And then there's Peyton Manning and the Colts on the other side. Right. And you're like, I don't think we can do this, you know. But it looked pretty good, <laughs> like, in the beginning, the kick, beginning kickoff with, uh, with uh, Hester and everything, too. So, I mean, started started off kicking, and it looked like it was going to be good. Not enough to get it done. But uh, I agree with uh, Mike Tackett saying here, though, on, on a certain level, though, too. Again, I think certain that- teams that, you know, are kind of looked upon, I think they brought it up, I think, even with some of the Raiders at one point with some of these considerations. Um, back when they, uh, when they were really relevant in the older days, they were going in. But it's been a while, you know, since a, a guy had been in there since um, uh, Brown uh, – but, uh, but, gone in, so. but I'll say this, that there's been a lot, and I mean a lot of players that probably deserve to be in before others. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, they were never voted in until like they pass away or something or, uh, right, or, right. or it's like, come on guys. Like the, I, I do agree partially with you, Mike on stats. Like, yes, yeah, stats is a part of the game, but also the other part of it is, is like the, the, the player element of of being on a team and maybe you were a rah rah guy maybe you're a guy that's an x's and o's guy to help your team get better you know what i mean you're a, an emotional type of player that you get everybody hyped up and they play better and you know what i mean like there's a lot of different avenues you can make an argument for what what is deserving of a, of a hall of fame status type of player versus you know it can't always all just be about stats we we've seen this season in and season out with players you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like everybody is raving about, you know, uh, big time players like Patrick Mahomes and everything like that. But no one really criticizes Mahomes when he screws up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's got to go both ways. So don't get me wrong. I think Mahomes is a great quarterback. Uh, but there are times when these great quarterbacks or great players, great receivers, they screw up, too. And if you if they're, if you're not if you're not willing to criticize them for their mistakes, then uh, you know you're you're really not holding everybody accountable, and that, isn't that the bottom line in the end? So it's like so for the Hall of Fame, I feel like it's a combination of everything, right? It's got to be a combination of stats. How great of a player were they stat wise? How great of a player were they, you know, with their team? Did they make their team even better? Because that's another thing too. Like like you bring it like you you talk about Ray Lewis. Mm-hmm. Ray Lewis, as great as that defense was. I feel like if you didn't have Ray Lewis in that de- in that Ravens defense, 
yeah, they had great players around him. But if if you removed Ray Lewis, that's like removing their soul on that defense. That that would have been a, a little bit different. You know what I mean? Then maybe the Ravens get picked apart over the middle type of thing. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of different avenues and a lot of different arguments that you could that you could pose where yeah, w- what's I mean, deserving. You look at Terrell Suggs, and I mean, that defense was still pretty decent without him and when Suggs was even still there. Uh, but I know what you're saying. Ray Lewis, there he is. Even we have the uh, the all-star or whatever these things are. Again, of them, the uh, uh, figures. But And you notice it, just so you want to talk about the man is bigger than the player. He showed up. Again, it was Ray Lewis there honoring him that last game against the Chiefs. And you saw that Patrick Mahomes was even in awe that Ray Lewis was there. Everybody was excited when Ray Lewis came out with the whole squirrel dance and everything else and stuff. And he has that kind of impact. So Yeah, definitely. uh, But uh, it's a valid point. Like I said, stats, yes. But then also you got to think of era and everything else and how it's going. So a lot to take in. But no, I I mean, we we do agree with you, but there's also like another – added elements to 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 picking these these all-time greats yeah absolutely getting uh finishing up i think with the wide receivers here we got steve smith senior here steve smith stevie uh better player than he is analyst i think he really sucks Holy here on nfl crap. network i mean are you kidding me? fumbling on his words and it's not can't even make it a coherent <laughs> point and then when you say something about it he uh, agrees with you he's like yeah 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 i never said that yeah okay <laughs> All right. Anyways, all right. You know, but Steve Smith, uh, again, yeah. he was a dominant player in his Very position for for uh, the Carolina Panthers when he played for them early on in his career. Ended up being uh, a whole uh, staple for them. He thought he was going to be a Carolina Panther forever, but then again, mm-hmm. felt uh, you know slighted by uh, Dave Gettleman, my uh, my <laughs> GM now that I have for the Giants. Uh, you know, and end up going to Baltimore for a few years. But then again, by that time, it was already in his twilight years. He had 16 uh, seasons here for the NFL, um, but also uh, 14,731 yards overall here uh, receiving, 81 touchdowns. Um, so catching percentage of 59% overall for his career. Over 1,000 um, receptions. Mm-hmm. I so, mean, it- it's a, hey, I mean, if you're now, so here's the thing though, too. This is like a, a fun thing here is you got Andre Johnson, right, mm-hmm. with four with like fourteen thousand one hundred and change, uh, in terms of receiving yards. Only seventy touchdown catches. He does have over just over a thousand receptions. Then you got a guy like Anquan Bolden who is kind of in the same boat. You know, he's got uh, over a thousand thirteen thousand seven hundred seventy nine yards receiving and eighty two touchdowns. And then you got Steve Smith who he has he has about the same in terms of receptions but more receiving yards but only 81 touchdowns too so it's like all these guys are hall of fame worthy in my mind however it's just a matter of like who's going to get in first type of deal at this point mm-hmm. you know what i mean cuz even i think honestly i think Steve Smith out of all these receivers so far that we've seen, like I haven't even looked at like the the rest of the uh, nominees, mm-hmm. but so far to me, Steve Smith is the most deserving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like you know, it's it's like picking you know a straw out of a hat type of thing. Like, but the only thing that I would give Steve Smith the the lead for is because also if you think about his stature and how big he played, like he was a shorter receiver. But he played like he was six foot five and against some stiff competition. And for him to do what he did, that to me makes it more impressive. So, I mean, to have more receiving yards, about the same in touchdowns and in receptions, I give the nod to Steve for the if you're uh, comparing these three. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Um, uh, Mike Tackett is in the house with us tonight. He says, I want to read you guys some players' career stats. You know, yes or no to Canton. Here we go. Uh what position? Nine hundred and well, it seems like defensive back corner. I, I think so, something like that. Yeah, corner or something like that. Um, but he says nine hundred and forty-nine tackles, sixty-three ints, one thousand four hundred and twelve interception return yards, thirteen defensive TDs, Super Bowl champ safety. He says. Hmm. Let's so see. I just want to be clear. The tackles are combined tackles, solo tackles. You know, uh, what, it's probably going to be combined, probably overall. I think they when they just do solo tackles. Um, hmm. Mm. I ain't gonna try to guess who it is, but it's, I know uh, who it who is. is it? Who is it? Darren Sharper. Darren Sharper. Uh, total tackles right here. All right. So what do you think? Uh again, I like the interception yards. That's a really positive for him. Um, like to me, I I mean interception yards, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. seven hundred forty solo. All right, I'm gonna say, hmm, sixty three ints. I mean, because I'm trying to I'm trying to like basically look at like, uh, like kind of kind of like kind of match it up with some of the guys, mm-hmm. some of the all time greats. Yeah, you to have see the stuff right there in front of if, you. If if uh, if it's you know worth it. I mm-hmm. mean, he's got good numbers. Don't get me wrong. I mean, what do you got? Uh, 740 solo. 949 combined tackles, 63 interceptions. That's mm-hmm. usually a big, big stat for uh, guys in the secondary. Mm-hmm. It was 63. So that's one of the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's yeah. he's right up there in the top got 10 it. with that one. He's like right behind Ronnie mm-hmm. Lott, mm-hmm. ahead of Dick LeBeau. Um, He's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh mm-hmm. in in terms of interceptions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, uh, Mike, I'm going to be completely honest with you. To me, Super Bowl championship does not matter. I, I throw that right out yeah, the boat because yeah. there's been all too often there's been great players that don't get chips that are just great players, but mm-hmm. they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Just because he didn't win the chip doesn't mean anything. That's a team. Paul's stat. in the house. He says Julius Peppers for the Hall of Fame. Now we're going. We're going off the rails. Now. <laughs> we're going off the rails. Uh, oh boy. Um, but I don't, no, I don't know. I, I'd say I say it's worthy to go to the Hall of Fame. I'd say that's fine right there. I mean, again, you're, you're in the top seven of all. Um, Let's see something of here. some of the others that are there yeah. already in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I'd say right there, that's a nod. But I'm, not, you know, when you're talking like first ballot, if they've been out there a while and they haven't got put in yet, then that could be potentially a problem, and, and maybe it's their time. Uh, but we've seen that. We've seen guys go in. I think that are just too early. Uh, guys that off of uh, just winning championships, mm-hmm. then they have some stats, but really not a long career, and, and even more flash than than what they really put out there. Uh, Julius Peppers again had a really uh, solid career for a while too. Um, Mainly with what was it, the Panthers, but then played uh, well at times for the um, the Green Bay Packers. I felt bad for them that one year. It looked like they were going to go to the Super Bowl, and I think it, it just turned by like a switch right there. I think it was against the Seattle Seahawks, um, but then uh, it, it just switched on him, and it would have been nice for him to go out a champion hmm. right there. But uh, he says Sharper won't get in because of his post career decisions. And that would be now, sad. I think I, I think mean, that's I, I think that should be thrown out. Yeah. Like that has yeah. nothing to do with his career on the football field. Like, yeah. Like 
that should be all thrown out. Like, do I believe Darren Sharper is deserving of Hall of Fame? Yes. Uh, when, when you go by, uh, if if you're going to talk about interceptions and in tackles and stuff like that, which is those are cr- two critical categories for a defensive back, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's deserving of the Hall of Fame. He's kind of right up there in the, in that top ten type of talk uh, for for DBs uh, all time. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, I would I would say he's deserving of it. And here's the other thing that is a little weird, is when. I'm looking on on uh, Pro Football Reference right mm-hmm, here to, mm-hmm. to to look at these Hall of Fame leaders, mm-hmm. and the weirdest category for me is Hall of Fame monitor score. It indicates players' chance of election to Pro Football. Yeah, that's Hall of a Fame. Pro Football Reference so, uh, it, stat that they do. Gives, that's what right, they do. Yeah, it, it gives you a rating based on yeah. how how likely they are mm-hmm. to to be voted in. Mm-hmm. And Darren Sharper's got a, a 76, which is really low. So that's kind of that that to me is just nonsense. Like you go by the body of work and how good of a player he was on the football field. That's it. That's all it should be. Mm-hmm. To me, Darren Sharper, I remember him playing and everything was a hell of a hitter. Great tackler. Mm-hmm. Like he made plays. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're that great of a player, you got it. You got to be in the hall. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it would be a damn shame. If Sharper doesn't end up in the hall at some point. Mm-hmm. There you go. Mike Tackett says 100% agree. There you go. He's with you on that one. Yeah, I mean, and that's we see it all the time. We we talk about we talk about Joe Namath and, and a bunch of others. So, right. I mean, yeah, we, we we beat that horse all the time. You know, <laughs> we'll see, that's why we have these debates. It's great that's to right. have you guys out there talking with us. Definitely, Mike Tackett, uh, Paul as well, too. Everybody else out there, we appreciate it. Um, next, let's move on. Let's get off of the wide receivers again. Let's go into uh, the big guys here, the guys on the trenches. We've got Jake Long that's up for the first time here. Uh, offensive tackle. Look at that um, smirk. Yeah. Look at that guy. <laughs> what has he got? Nine-year career? A nine-year career. The first four, he was a pro bowler. Made it uh, all pro one year. Um, but again, I think uh, a decent uh, a lineman here for a left tackle, but – Again, Hall of Famer. I don't know. I'm really bad at judging these these types of offensive linemen. I mean, I remember Jake Long in his career playing, but again, I don't remember him really as a total lockdown type of uh, uh, left tackle. Mm. He was good, uh, but it's tough for me to gauge when they go into the Hall of Fame where they meet up with these wide receivers. So I'm terrible uh, on trying <laughs> so, to judge this. So I'm saying even I think some of the way the, the judges vote in, they don't really like to throw some of these big guys out there early. So I say he's he might get in, but it would be later on. Like, so, you know what? Give I'm, it some years. I'm going to call I'm going to call the Hall of Fame out on this right now. Uh, there's no categories for Hall of, for or, offensive, linemen offensive linemen based on. Is it uh, just linemen or just all together defense and it's, offense this together? Is, now, together? this is broken down position. So this is okay. tackle, okay. which is what he played. Yeah. But there's no categories for sacks allowed. There's no categories for um, pressures allowed. There's no categories for, um, you know, what I mean? it's, yeah. It's I mean, categories at that, that work. is terrible. Categories I mean, don't have any of that. Categories yeah. that that mean something to mm-hmm. an offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, that's what he brings up right there. Mike Here, Tackett, Tony Baselli okay. should get here's, in before long. Here's my issue with Tony Baselli. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm just gonna be honest with you. Tony Baselli had such a short career. As great as he was, yeah. he was, he was one of the, he was one of the best, if not the best, tackle out there when he was playing. But he, to me, he had such a short career that it makes it really difficult to 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 consider him to be great, like for the Hall of Fame, like. 
I believe that you need to have a body of work in order to be considered. And that body of work has to be great in order to be considered for the Hall of Fame to be voted in. So Tony Baselli, the only reason is because to me, he just doesn't have enough body of work to be uh, put in there. But that's just me. That's my personal opinion. Jake Long, they say right here, they, they track this stat, though, Joe. They have uh, overall uh, penalties here <laughs> eight, out of 104 games. It's holding 11 in his career, 15 false starts. What does uh, that mean? Six de- declined you know, uh, penalties, and then all, all penalties, uh, 31 altogether. I'm like, what the hell? Uh, like, so why, who cares about his penalties that he did? Yeah, he made mistakes here and there, like all of them do. But where, again, like you said, how many sacks did he allow? Where's all this uh, uh, stuff uh, that they like to break down? So it, yeah, it's so hard for me on this one. But to me, okay, so you have great player. I'm not sure about Hall of Fame on that. There's got to be. How do they not have a staff for I this? I don't know. I don't know why they do that. But Hold on. There's got to be something. Well, I got to. You you looked it up. I think I'm going to get to the next guy, though, too, just to kind of put them all together. Oh, here, uh, on, no, no, Mike no. Tackett says here, like you guys said, how can we track a lineman's body of work with the stats that they don't keep? Yeah, I know. And so, okay. Exactly. You're, you're right, Jim. Now I see, like, the holding, the false yeah, starts. Yeah, false start. Uh, but, yeah, what I mean, the hell where's the, the other stuff? You like, know, sacks loud, pancakes or, or whatever, and now there's exactly. a stat somewhere. But and Mike, we love ProFootballReference.com. Right. Yeah, we're gonna say we that do. right out there. We use this all the time. We love your website and all you guys do for that. But some of the things, and you guys break down a bunch of different other analytics that I wouldn't even think of. I just need well, you how guys do you to have do this. not have this. I don't get it. Can you can you guys like maybe work this out to maybe have categories where it, it's critical for linemen, and this is where you could judge linemen based on you know comparing them mm-hmm. to each other. As you know, pressures given up, sacks given up, uh, hold like you got holding and, and false starts, but. You need more than that. You need the pressures and, and stuff like mm-hmm. that that they give up. That's where you can kind of gauge offensive linemen then instead of just saying, hey, Jake Long is deserving a Hall of Famer. Yeah. It's, you know what I mean? It. Like, I don't uh, know. Like, this is hard for me. Like, watching Jake Long play, he was a great great tackle. Don't get me wrong. Great tackle. Um, but when you're trying to compare him to guys like Anthony Munoz who played way back in the day and, uh, you know, and Orlando Pace – you know what I mean? Like the phenomenal great tackle that he was for the Rams and guys like that. Like, how do you compare them mm-hmm. if you don't have the stats in front of me? Like, I can't I can't get a stat that tells me enough about the linemen. Mm-hmm. I bet you. You know what's funny, though? I bet you if I looked up current linemen, they'll tell me those things. Mm-hmm. Where's the stats for these guys that are that are retired? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But here, let's bring up another offensive lineman just to, for the debate here, too, as well. We've got Nick Mangold. Now, when you look at Nick Mangold, at least for me, too, center for the Jets, I mean, the best in his position at that time for a long time, for a long career to play on a terrible team again. Mm-hmm. But when you knew in the, in the Jets, you saw Nick Mangold, he was solid. You knew it right away. So I mean, when I look at him, again, I'm thinking Hall of Fame career, this guy. This guy's, you know, the best at his position mm-hmm. when the time that he played just on a bad team. But that's the thing, the question I just had with with all with Jake Long then. When you cause look at him and he's played on some good teams, uh, you know, that that were were really good in caliber there and was a part of it. But uh when throwing out, you know, championships or playoff runs and here and there, all that cause that's a team 
uh, stat right there, not just one particular player. I mean, look at Nick Mangold and the Jets. They, they had a playoff run a few years with Rex Ryan and, and Mark Sanchez, but can you blame them, uh, him for them not making mm -hmm. it or, or whatever? If they did make it, it was all Nick Mangold and it wasn't you know Sanchez, but then when they lost, you blame the butt fumble on him? I mean, it's, it's – it's tough. So that's why it's all perspective and how you look at it. And you want to throw stats in there as well to help support uh, your, your opinion. Mm -hmm. But that's all basically it is opinion based too, and based on the information that you have and, and basically uh, uh, sites that you see, you know, on the, the eye test for me. Yeah. I mean, but, that's the thing though. It was like, that's why I don't understand. They don't have these categories like we're talking about. It doesn't make sense for Lyman mm -hmm. not to have mm -hmm. them because that's where you can really gauge the, the truly great linemen versus the guys that they got a big name when they played, but they, they, they don't have the stats to prove, you know what I mean? Prove how, you know, how good they are. So, all right. So let's bring up, let's move out of that. Then let's go right to uh, this guy. And uh, <laughs> Nick Mangold. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Deserve well, yeah, definitely. It, so another jet here. Uh, and they also <laughs> played, I think we played at the Chargers too. Right. Uh, and then uh, this guy, That's where he started more, his career. Yeah, but yeah, more known for having, you know, like 20, 30 children and stuff from all different, uh, you know, uh, women and things like that. And uh, <laughs> a, a crazy, you know, a child care yeah. bill. Uh, it's uh, Antonio Cromartie here. All right, Antonio Cromartie. And he's up now for first time for the Hall of Fame. And, and I don't know. I don't really see Antonio Cromartie in that light. You know, I mean, I know he had a, a pretty decent career, you know, with the Chargers again, then with the Jets. But the, he was part of that defense under Rex Ryan, too, where, mm. you know, uh, they played well. But I don't see him as a Hall of Famer again. I mean, good player, but I don't think he's on that caliber. I mean, you let's throw him out there. Where does he sit with uh, a sharper then? If you want to uh, do a, a quick comparison, if you could, I mean, is he up there near them or not? Or? See, here's the thing is like uh, sharper. Here's the thing with corner mm -hmm. is you got pass deflections. You mm -hmm. got, you know, obviously touchdown interceptions. He had 31 interceptions, mm -hmm. which isn't super impressive. But I wonder, like, if you look at corners right now, let me go to the the cornerback section here, the DB back to the DBs. Um, let's see here. Uh, pass deflection. So, like, just to put it into perspective, the well, top, the uh, go ahead. Well, Mike Tackett says that um, Cromartie gets in simply for the ability to impregnate so many women. That's what she said. Maybe that could be a good argument in the room there, Mike. It could be. Uh, but when you're looking at top pass deflecting corners, DBs, whatever, you got Champ Bailey at the top of two or three. And for uh, Cromartie, Cromartie's way down the 80s. Yeah. So he's down by, like right now, Marcus Peters has 86. Cortland Finnegan, if you remember him, at 87. Oh, yeah, I remember him. Um, but that's, that's pass deflections, what I think is a huge stat for, for corners. Uh, guys that break up the passes and everything. In terms of interceptions, um, your top guy is uh, Paul Krause with 81. Rod Woodson right behind him with 71. Charles Woodson, 65. And then for Cromartie, he's got 31. So, to be honest, I don't think Cromartie's deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think, I think he's got one. he's got too low of stats to be considered one of the absolute greats all time. Mm -hmm. I don't even know why he's on the docket. To be honest <laughs> with you, it makes mm -hmm. no sense. I, yeah, I don't know. You know Darren like, Sharper should get in Cromartie. this year. I'm t telling you right now. I agree with you, Mike. Sharper needs to be in there. 
He starts to come and then he pulls out. And, and I guess, it. well, Antonio Cromartie didn't pull out enough, I guess. So no. that was his problem. But uh, Paul, he says, uh, Paul Gruber for the Hall of Fame. Definitely uh, didn't wrap it up. It's <laughs> not enough. Uh, so, again, you're looking at left tackle again. He played, what was it, uh, one, two, 88 to 99, so 11 years. Um, I wish we had stats, again, Paul. Stats we can. Again, I wish I we had stats. fumble recoveries. That's an important stat for a tackle. You know. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> what the hell, dude? You know what I mean? This is stupid. You know, games, sorry, guys. Games but, played. Games started. And, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, when you look back at it, um, anyway. Again, I, when I was younger, I you know I was young still. I was a Giants fan through the '80s, but. Uh, I didn't pay attention as much as I do now, I guess. You know, I didn't expect I was going to be talking football in my 40s. <laughs> so, uh, unfortunately, I can't help you out on that one. But if I got some more stats, we take a look at it. I'm willing to have that conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, let's move on now to um, uh, Robert Mathis here for the Colts. The Indianapolis Colts right there. He was on the other side of Dwight uh, Feeney. Feeney. Uh, so he was part of that combination too. And I think sometimes he gets overshadowed by, because he had Freeney right there with the whole spinner Rooney yeah. thing he was doing. But, uh, Mathis was still just as, as, uh, um, what's the word, but terrorizing, I would say even too, with some of the moves that he had. And I think what he really perfected, uh, was that, that angle that the, they try to get on the outside when they rush, you don't know, get in that like nice, what was that, that 45-degree angle here and get around on the outside of some of these guys. Yep. Um, I think he really perfected that fairly well uh, and was was a menace in the backfield here. But what do you think about Robert Mathis here of making it to the Hall of Fame? So, so Mathis had 123 sacks, mm -hmm. uh, which now if I pull up the, the defensive end chart, um, I'm waiting for it to load. Uh, so we have – Obviously, Reggie White's on top. Um, you got you got a lot of really good DNs, man. Uh, but to put it into perspective, perspective. We're doing great with the words today. Yeah, perspective. Mm -hmm. um, so okay, so just to just to real talk real quick about uh, Peppers because his name got brought up. Oh yeah, yeah. He had 159 and a half uh, sacks, uh, which places him fourth all time. Oh. Um, mm -hmm. Interceptions for this guy, 11 interceptions as a D end, mm -hmm. the most all time. Uh, so I would probably go and just say, yeah, Peppers, Peppers definitely 100%. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Just by even reading a couple of those stats, mm -hmm. uh, you know, tackles, he's even up there too. Mm -hmm. um, we're talking about Robert Mathis here. Uh, Robert Mathis had 123. He's a little bit farther down on the list with 123. It's kind of very crowded when it, when when you talk about sacks. Uh, in in terms of, let's see, let's go to tackles. He's not a whole lot. 350 or 538. Never mind, 538. Uh, he has. And then I mean, you could even go into. Let's see, what did he have? Did he have any interceptions? One. Okay. Well, that takes that off. Uh, I was going to look at, like, fumble recoveries yeah, or something, yeah, something like, that. like that. Or forced fumbles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't then see I anything. think it's debatable. Like, whether it's a few years or even not, then we would think then possibly, right? Yeah. I mean, like, tackles, he's kind of a little bit down the list, but I still would. And, and this is the kind of thing, like, we, like talk, we talked about, about, like, receivers, like a, a threshold. So, like, for defensive ends, like, would would you consider sacks kind of like a threshold at some point, like a hundred sacks or more, you know what I mean? In order to be considered in the hall of fame. And then you go to combine tackles. Um, 
yeah, he's a little bit farther down the list with 500. So, uh, I, I'm honestly, I'm going to say just based on these stats right now, uh, I'm going to say no. All right, there you go. That's Joe's uh, take on that one. Now let's move on. We got two more here for this, and we'll move on to our picks in a little bit. We got Vince Wilfork here for oh, the new one. Yeah, the big guy, guy, the guy with the uh, the overalls here. You know, I almost put that picture up there, but <laughs> I wanted to put one. When I mean, he was actually in a jersey. I think that's more appropriate here uh, for the big man here for the uh, for the New England Patriots. Uh, D tackle, you know, and, and again, it was a big, uh, big, big impact for, for that defense for so long, too. So, Vince uh, Wilford, what do you think about him making it into the Hall of Fame? Uh, first ballot, you know, uh, I mean, uh, I don't know, but, but you know, maybe again, <laughs> uh, it depends on how people look at him, I think, again, too. It, it, Here's the thing is he was a nose tackle, yeah. Uh, so if you're expecting him to have huge amount of sacks and and be like have have it be like a stat yeah. monster. That doesn't happen with nose tackles. What's their job? Their job is to just take on bodies, pretty mm -hmm. much. Mm -hmm. uh, and if they do end up, you know, getting a sack here and there, that's a huge accomplishment. Mm -hmm. uh, so for a guy his size, I mean, three hundred and twenty-five pounds at six-two. Can you imagine that? Mm -hmm. uh, dude was humongous. Uh, so he had sixteen sacks in his career. He had. Uh, Five forced fumbles and 367 solo um, tackles at the D tackle position. Uh, so if you if you look at uh, let's see here, let me pull up sacks. Where's that lay him then with the, with the other crowd? Like he would be kind of kind of low actually. So 30 some odd sacks is way 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 down on the list because mm -hmm. he's played nose tackle. Mm -hmm. um, Can you just separate tackles at all or the nose yeah. tackles like like Colodi so, Nada? Where's he on that on that list and, and some other of those bigger uh type of nose tackles so that were out there um yeah i mean again he was part of uh championship teams too as well i know that's not a stat that we doesn't we matter for, for hall of fames there so i mean that was overall good defense under um i mean you're talking of, yeah, this is tough like for a nose tackle to be in the hall of fame this is really really tough like uh even in terms of combined tackles he's down like with marcel darius Derek mm. Wolf, who's still playing. Mm. Um, Albert Hainsworth, who I don't think yeah. is deserving no, of being in the hall. No, I don't think uh, like, so uh, it's tough. I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's it's tough because it, here's what I will say. Is he deserving of, of the Hall of Fame without – and this, Mike, this is kind of goes along with that situation that you were talking about, like uh, stats. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. This is where this doesn't help a guy like Vince Wilfork get in. Mm -hmm. Because if it is all about stats, Wilfork, hell no, does not get in at all. Mm -hmm. But I would say this. Based on his impact on the defense that he played on, he's Hall of Fame worthy. Mm -hmm. It's not going to show up right, on the stat right, sheet. Right. Because this guy would take on bodies mm -hmm. on bodies. Mm -hmm. And that would free mm -hmm. up guys like Willie McGinnis and, and guys to go in and, and tackle the running mm -hmm. back or get mm -hmm. the get the quarterback. So that's not even going to be on the stat sheet. So his stats are extremely low, but his impact on the football field was Hall of Fame worthy. That's what I'll say. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I write on that one too. And uh, Paul says he says the same thing. Wilford is uh, worthy, and I take him on my team. He says, "There you go." Boom! Shock. I think okay. anybody Brady would be well. willing to take that giant man. Yeah, on absolutely. Their team. All right. Now, finally, here the tenth. Uh, player out there for the first time here it's demarcus Ware. i'm just gonna say yes right away here because this guy is not only just one of the greater players that played i think in his era 
but then also a great person too and everything all together guy and, and this is a I, i'm a giants fan and i hate to say it so, but i mean i've seen this guy play <laughs> and, and it's just remarkable everything that he's done so i'm just gonna say yes uh whether it be again this year though i don't know it's, it's funny how the way it's they, tough. They, 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 people are voted in on some of these I'm not sure, you know, how they're going to judge it. Like you said, even with the tackles and things um, and, the, you know, nose tackle, these guys take a while before they get in there. You know what I mean? Kickers were, were snubbed for a while before they do. Uh, so everybody wants the, the wide receivers and the quarterbacks, you know, running backs, because that's what mm -hmm. they see. Those are guys with the big stats and the big points. Um, so everybody wants to see some of these guys finally uh, get back in here and, and get some of these uh, their careers no, uh, recognized for what impact they did right. have on, on, on the game altogether. So so if we're going to go with, with sacks here, you know, you look at the, he had 138 and a half. That's pretty darn good. That's up mm -hmm. in that's in the, in that top 10 range. Uh, of being a stellar player there, so for for sacks and stuff. So I mean, and that's a huge that's a huge thing for mm -hmm. DNs is mm -hmm. to get pressure, get in there, mm -hmm. uh, and, and get after the the football. So I mean, I'm I'm gonna just gonna go ahead and say, yeah, he did, yep. he deserves to be in the hall. Absolutely, yep. I mean, because that's a, I'm gonna be honest with you. If you get 130 plus sacks, mm -hmm. that's a phenomenal career. I mean, in the NFL, that's that's crazy. Here you go, Mike Tackett's got the list. Few guys he wants to see in the Hall of Fame. No. <laughs> he, he wants to see. Yeah, we personally want to see in Canton. All right, ready, Joe. Okay, what? what All we right, got? here, Carson Palmer, Vinny Testaverde, Drew Bledsoe. That's for your quarterbacks. Running backs: Sean Alexander. I Corey, like Sean. Corey Dillon, uh, Ricky yeah. Williams, and yeah. uh, fullback Mike Allstott. Tom <laughs> Rathman. Tom Rathman. I remember him. Wow. Yeah, Lorenzo Neal. Yeah. Okay. I like uh, Lorenzo Neal. Yeah, yeah, that one yeah. I like. Yep. Uh, wide receiver. Bolden, uh, Anquan Bolden, Reggie Wayne, Andre Johnson, tight end Antonio Gates. Antonio Gates, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, he, again, he was uh, one of those tight ends uh, that was, you know, former basketball player too as well. That was that athletic type of uh, tight end at the time. Now, you know, when he tried to come back, he wasn't so much, but treated much like a wide receiver. You know, he was that type of go-to guy for mm -hmm. Drew, uh, for uh, Philip Rivers. So that was big for them. Oh, then I he don't goes, think, throws in return on Devin Hester. I, I don't think you're going to have any issues with Antonio Gates getting in the hall. I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah. Uh, guy leads the all-time list in receiving mm -hmm. touchdowns mm -hmm. alone. Uh, and in, in, in terms of receiving yards, he's, he's up in the top five, I believe. Yeah. He's gotta be up. Yeah. There he's, he's, he's the third hi highest all time in receiving yards. Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So yeah, I, there's no doubt about it. Gates is going to get in mm -hmm. no doubt about it. Uh, now here's the interesting thing is you, you mentioned a couple of guys like Tom Rathman, like Lorenzo Neal, like Mike Allstott, mm -hmm. like fullback mm -hmm. type guys. Mm -hmm. Those guys are going to have a harder time getting in. Uh, because there's really no, there's no kind of, uh, there's not a fullback position in the Hall of Fame for some reason. They, all they have listed as quarterback, running back, receivers. Uh, so I'm not 100% sure if those guys will even ever get in. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they mm -hmm. were phenomenal blockers. Mm -hmm. And then Mike, and then, uh, Mike Allstott had that great, great year of just trouncing the NFL mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and beating them up, uh, running the football. So, uh, yeah, I, I like those fullbacks. I wish they would get in because they were phenomenal blockers mm -hmm. and, and great fullbacks. They are definitely Hall of Fame uh, level fullbacks. But 
Uh, I just I have a hard feeling that they're just not going to end up getting in. He says London Fletcher, Donnie Fletcher, and Zach Thomas here for linebackers as well. I mean, Zach Thomas and London Fletcher, 100, 110%. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I just – I don't – and this is the thing, Mike, right? You're listing all these players that that have great – they have great stats. They were great players when they played. They made their team better. They They were great guys on and off the field. Like, those guys – We'll eventually get in, mm-hmm. but you can see like how you're going crazy with naming all these names. There's more names, yeah, too, and, that are and the deserving. Fact that even that they're still not in yet, you know. It's, I mean, if they've been retired they, for a while, right? You know? And and they only every year they only have like what is it seven that get voted in the, so. at the final? Yeah, the final list, or, or no, maybe it's ten max because they have like three senior. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, the senior ones. So, so yeah, think about that. Out of all the great players that have played this game, this great game that we love, Mm -hmm. only about seven to ten guys get in every year. So the list just keeps getting bigger every single year with Mm -hmm. guys retiring and what have you. So this is going to be an issue going forward for a long, long time. All right. Yeah, absolutely. So here we go. I, I told you guys about a segment I started to add this year to uh the the show and every time you we know about with, with fantasy football but also with your team there's a guy that you know you, you could usually rely on but then all of a sudden he doesn't show up on sunday where is he what the hell happened we always <laughs> saw with aaron Rodgers week one he was my week one um milk carton player of the week because he was just found out missing so now i'm handling week two my week two milk carton player of the week is was the guy who was on the opposite side of Aaron Rodgers in week one. <laughs> Absolutely. There you go. Oh, it's Jameis yes. Winston right there. Where did he go? Where did this guy go that, you know, people were quick to fill out that imaginary meme form. Like, oh, we're going to send these back to him to apologize for writing them off and all that <laughs> stuff. Where was he? So uh, we're still looking for you, Jameis Winston, out there. Maybe you're out there, you know, you know suffering <laughs> from depression and you're going out to get some more crab cakes yeah, or you know yeah, crab yeah, legs yeah. or something and right. maybe we'll see you maybe we'll see you next week yeah, we'll see maybe. what happens uh but yeah there you go james winston my milk carton <laughs> player of the week for week two yes i'm gonna have week three out later on next week uh but joe why don't you tell us before we get to our picks Tell us a little bit about our friends here at Johnstone Supply. In Johnstone Troy. Supply. Yeah, you know, hey, it's the fall season, everybody. Football season has kicked off. We are all excited about our teams and and possibly where they could end up by the end of the year. Uh, listen, winter's coming. It's going to get a little bit cold. You know, do you need any parts for your furnace? Do you need your furnace replaced? Do you need anything fixed on it? And so forth, just, just to keep warm. Uh, hit, our, hit our guys up at Johnstone Supply in Troy, New York. Uh, they are on 6th Avenue, Troy, New York. Uh, you can... Listen, the colder months are coming. These guys are, are going to be there for you to help. Uh, they're family-owned and operated business, Johnstone Supply. Uh, listen, they've been great for upstate New York, uh, upstate New York residents. Uh, they've been there for everybody that's ever needed the help. Um, go ahead and, and you can just go ahead and talk to our, our guys, uh, uh, George or Tom and the rest of the staff. They're looking forward to helping mm-hmm. you guys out. Uh, follow them on Facebook or give them a call today, uh, 518-272-5922. That's 518-272-5922. Johnson Supply, 6th Avenue, Troy, New York. Hit them up. They'll, they'll be there to help you guys out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Troy, Troy, you know, right now it's not getting cold yet, but it's getting there, Joe. Uh, but, we're, you know. We're rounding we're the turn. Rounding the fall is coming. We're seeing the trees, and uh, the, you know, drop their leaves and everything and all that other nonsense. Uh, but 
you know, when you need it, when the time's come, get on it now. Go to our guys over there, uh, Johnstone Supply and Troy. And also, if you guys need that little bit of pick-me-up, why don't you go to repsports.com, too, and get yourself some Ray's Energy. They have some new flavors out there. It's going to be leaving shortly, I'm sure. I think that peach, we just had the peach the other day. It was, yeah. it was amazing. Yeah, they're um, running out of that right now running as we out speak. Real quick, so, I mean, get your Ray's. Make sure you guys go to repsports.com, promo code, raise them up. Check it out. It's it's sugar free. I mean, there's dye free. I mean, it, all of it's clear, but there's great flavors and, and it's amazing, buddy. And like I said, there's no crash. We drink it all the time on our show and and, and out doing things, and it is amazing. It's yeah, that I could other really alternative. Use one right now. Yeah, it, it's it's the alternative to that other stuff because I've tried some of the other ones, you know, the monster and all that other junk. Get stuff a little like jittery. That. Yeah, and I feel like crap after later on and stuff like that. You know, but yeah, this I mean, it's great. These guys raise energy. Listen, they're made in the USA, right down in Florida. Florida. Hey, Mike, check that out. They're right in uh, Florida down there by you. Uh, but uh, he could get it direct. Maybe he could give us a, a he could deal. probably walk into the warehouse. We get, yeah, he could just get to the, get it right from the warehouse. Walk right in there. Uh, just tell him. Just tell him football on the no show just sent you. Uh, but no, uh, if, if you want to if you want to help us out, support the show, support support our uh, some of our uh, sponsors here. But raise energy is, is really good. Go ahead. Promo code raise them up. Enter it in there for anything that you order through them, and it's not just energy drinks too. They got powders. They got all kinds of uh, of stuff. Protein shakes. They got you know, they got protein cakes. Everybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just got a couple of packets of those. I'm gonna try them out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm interested to see how that works. Nice. Out. But uh, yeah, all, all your fitness needs galore. Listen, and you don't need it just to work out. If you need to get through your work day, or just power through some an event that you're working or whatever. Raise energy is the way to go. I mean, mm -hmm. listen, you're going to get phenomenal energy for a, for like an hour or two. And then when it wears off, you're not going to feel drowsy, tired. You know, you just want to hit the bed and just go to sleep. No, it just wear off and you're in your you're still fine. You're good mm -hmm. to go. Absolutely. And also the hydration that's with it, too, as well. It's awesome. Uh, here we go. Uh, Mike Tackett, he says, do you guys think the NFL should do the same thing the MLB does and give a window to get into the Hall of Fame? Say after 10 years of eligibility, if they're not in, they're just out. Um, I don't know about that. Just because I think I, I, think I look because at the, the way the rosters are, and so many players even in NFL. I would NFL, just for me, I think there's such a bigger pool to kind of just leave them out after a certain amount of years. I don't know. It's tough. I would just say because it's so backlogged uh, for all the players that that are that are going to be due up. Because listen, you're not eligible to be due up until like five years later down the road after you retire. So, um, I think because it just keeps getting backlogged, backlogged, backlogged. What they can do is something similar to it. If you're not, if like we talked about that threshold mm -hmm. idea for every single position based on a certain a certain stat line, like if you don't reach that requirement, then you're just not going to be considered. You know what I mean? That's what they should do. Um, because listen, there's there are definitely guys in the Hall of Fame that mm, they don't really deserve to be there, but they're there because somebody guaranteed a Super Bowl win and they won it, and you know. Stuff like that, uh, but uh, the stat stats. Some of the stats are pr pretty bad in, in the Hall of Fame. In, in the Hall, some players that are in there now, their stats are not comparable to the guys that you know are, are on, on the on the top ten list type of deal. So, and they're in the Hall of Fame. So, yeah, I, I I think until they correct that and do some kind of formula that way, that's that's really I think the best that they, they can do. The uh, 
you know, maybe they could just, you know, uh, just let them all in. You know, they could be like Joe Biden and just say, hey, everybody, come on, come on out, sit out here. They everybody be camping out right outside of Canton. Like, hey, we're still here. Like, we're here now. Uh, just everybody wait to get your turn up in there. You know, let's have some congestion and finally get everybody in there. Uh, maybe that'll happen. Who knows? We'll see. I doubt it. <laughs> but anyways, let's go. We'll go on to our. Uh, uh, all right, whatever, Trump. Uh, let's go on to our next uh, thing. It's our picks, Joe. The picks competition. I don't have the glass here again, but what well, every year we do a bet. Now, the last three years, That's right? The we, glass doesn't uh, need to come out till towards to come the end. Out, but we'll show you. It's a big football that you can drink liquor out of it. You know, football shaped. It's almost life size of a football. Um, and we pick the alcohol, and then we have to do your your punishment if you end up losing at the end of the season. Uh, right now, the competition is fierce. It's early, but Joe has a four-game lead on me right now. Uh, but we'll see. It's a long season. We even have an extra really week now, season. too. So, I mean, who knows what will happen during oh, that. Extra week but there he goes. There's the picks going on. we got the competition. We're excited. Uh, pick along with us, guys out there, even if you're on a podcast. Listen right. to Let us, us as well, Apple, Spotify. Uh Speak to your 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 iPod and things like that. Listen, this is what I want. <laughs> Yell into the uh, Eric. <laughs> no, but no. Uh, I mean, seriously, we really appreciate you guys that, that support yeah, us. Absolutely. Listen, all the OGs that have been here since day one really appreciate you guys. Yeah. Like Mike, uh, uh, it's been a, an amazing yeah. ride so far, and it's still going to continue. Listen, we got some exciting, yeah, and I mean, stuff really freaking exciting stuff happening uh, in the near future for us. Uh, can't wait to, to let you guys in I'm on busy. that. I'm so but busy right now. I feel like I got a second life. Like <laughs> yeah, I'm a businessman too, man. Uh, uh, but all, all in all, anybody on podcast, thanks for following us. Hey, if you like what you've heard already, if you like what, you know, listen, we like to have fun. And if you want to be more interactive with us, we really encourage you guys to go ahead over on YouTube, Football on the No Show, search us up on there. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell for when we go live. You can interact with us in the comment section. Hey, we can we can bounce off ideas. Hey, if you want to vent, you can vent. Like, we're here for you. We're our, we're your therapist for the NFL throughout the season. Absolutely. Uh, and also, um, all you all you all you all the sponsors. Thank you very much mm -hmm. for supporting our show. Uh, listen, we're on to bigger and better things, baby, and and, and we're looking to take take over the, the world by storm. Mm, absolutely. Here we go. Let's uh, take on the picks at least for right now. Thursday night's game. Uh, Carolina Panthers at the Houston Texans. Again, Houston now is going to be starting with Davis Mills here. Uh, and Carolina, they look red hot. Like, Joe, you called it, I think, on that one. And Sam Darnold looks really comfortable. It's nice when you have, you know. It's amazing when you got a line and line weapons. And weapons, running back. I mean, it looks really nice for them. Uh, Carolina Panthers good defense not, looks good nice, Good job, too. New York, uh, So I'm just going to not put a whole lot of debate into this right now. I'm sorry, Houston. You've been looking really nice, but now is your time to lose. I like the Panthers here. Uh, Houston has a Tyrod going with the Panthers. Texans. I mean, they just don't have a quarterback. They, they're now they're rushing in this rookie quarterback. Uh, I'm really concerned for his health. Uh, they might lose him as well uh, after this week. So I'm going to go with the Panthers. Listen, there, there's way too much ma mounted up against this Houston team. Uh, Carolina's coming in hot. All right, here we go. Now we've got the Washington football team. You know what? When I was trying to search for football team to get their damn logo to the new matchups, it really pissed me off because I'd have to write Washington, then football, then team. And you know how Google tries to track that shit? That is so hard. Why can't you just pick a damn name? Anyways, <laughs> Washington football team versus the uh, Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills at home bounce back after a, a, a week one where they looked like they had control of that game. Yeah. They just kind of get it going and it seemed like they got too lax. We're just, I don't know, couldn't get it right. going. Josh yeah. Allen and Keppel overthrows, not as accurate. Fixed it the second week here. Washington, their defense was. It seemed like if it was going to take off from what it was last season, 
not looking so hot, even with the, like you said, the Giants even with that poor offensive line and, you know, being able to put up points on them. Yeah. Uh, looking a little rough. And then the fact that they don't have uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, a guy they were banking on to get them to that next level. They have t Taylor Heineke, which, again, it's a nice For story. Now. And I think if the Giants end up securing that victory and winning, you're not hearing all the accolades that you're getting down to Taylor Heineke because it's such a great freaking story. Because I understand, yeah, it's a great story, but there, at the same played time, played for the XFL and all his stuff. Yeah, but, but he took what they gave him and they gave him listen, a whole lot, and, and, and that's it, how they end up winning. Not just that, but it's not all you know. It's not all you know. Great news out of Washington, if you think about it, because you know Taylor Heineke didn't do that great. Yeah, exactly. He did checkdowns, but then he also forced balls into coverage. Absolutely. So everybody's get, getting on the Taylor Heineke, uh, you know, you know, train. But let's 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 dial it back a little bit. Just He's remember, they're going to build you up savior. as quick as they can tear you down too, as well. Uh, so that being said, on all this thing, I'm going with the Bills here at home. Yeah, Buffalo Bills. I mean, they looked really good, and we kind of figured they were going to come back strong in Week Two and, and make a statement. Uh, and and sure enough, Miami, uh, you know, <laughs> got their their bells rung on that one. Uh, Buffalo Bills are at home uh, against the Washington, uh, you know, football team that really doesn't know this team that well. So usually, when this happens, when you got like an AFC and NFC opponent matching up, both teams are gonna have to feel each other out. They really don't know, you know, each team. Yes, they're gonna watch game film and all that and do their their game plan. But when you get on the football field, it's a little bit different. So um, I like Buffalo in this one. All right, Joe's along with Buffalo, too. So is Paul. Paul likes Buffalo. All right, the Chicago Bears and the Cleveland Browns. Now we get to see Justin Fields against the Cleveland Browns. Browns almost let one slip away from them here. I, I mean, they, they had a good fight in the first game, too, of the yeah. season, too. Right. And then kind oh, of man. They let gave that, that game one up. get away. They give it away. Oh. Exactly. They did almost the same thing in this one here. Uh, oh, if the Chicago Bears defense plays tough, too, like they did the last uh, week, this could be a really, 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 really close game here. So, yeah, and definitely. despite even the injuries now Cleveland's having, I mean, mm -hmm. Jarvis Landry now to, you know, be on the sidelines along yeah, no with, Jarvis. With, uh, with Odell still, I mean, you've got issues there. So now I think they got to go run heavy with Nick Chubb here uh, against the Bears, trying to uh, uh, get the, the game going that way, keep mm -hmm. it balanced yeah. so it, it makes it easier for uh, Baker Mayfield because he does play at it better out of the play action. It opens up the field for him. Um, I'm going to stick with Cleveland at home, uh, but depending on how Justin Fields plays along with this, I think the defense is going to play good. Uh, this could be a really close game. Yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to say this. Uh, you know, Cleveland's going to have to throw the ball. And, and there is this Odell sighting, everybody. As of right now, he's looking like he's going to play this week. Uh, so that they get back a weapon. They lose a weapon, but they get back a weapon. Uh, and, and that's going to bode well for Baker Mayfield uh, and the Browns offense. Uh, listen, both teams, they have good defenses. Both teams, they got their ups and downs here and there on offense. Uh, but I, I love Justin Fields. I'm going to go Chicago in this He's one. I, I, like, I like the Bears defense. I like Fields being able to add that extra dynamic on offense. Uh, and, and they're a little bit healthier. All right, maybe I can win a game back here on this one. We'll see. All right, Baltimore Ravens at the Detroit Lions. Detroit's been playing tough. Again, I, you know what would happen with this whole trade. You send Jared Goff there to die, pretty much a team that's rebuilding stuff, but they're playing hard. They're, they are competing with these teams, but I don't think it's enough, especially with the way this Baltimore team has been playing. Everybody knows they're going to run. They still run on you. No matter who else in there, yet they had injuries at the running back. What do they do? They get Latavius Murray in there, and still Lamar's still doing what he's doing. Um, 
I still like the Baltimore Ravens in this one. I think they're just, you know, have what it takes here. And, and Detroit, it's going to be a good story. They can play tough, but I don't think they got it. And, uh, and Paul, that says Paul, Paul Lions says Lions get, get their first one. Look right. at that. How about that? I mean, yeah, they're, they're a competitive team. Hey, listen, they got a pretty good offense, actually. You know, they could probably yeah. stay with most teams See, throughout the NFL. this looks really nice for them even right and, now. Uh, and, the, and the other thing, too, is that I'll say is that, you know, the Lions, they're just lacking defense, really. I mean, that's really mm-hmm. their biggest problem mm-hmm. is they don't have enough uh, legit players on that defensive side of the ball. And because of that, that's where you get that rebuilding from. Like, offensively, I think they're ready to, to go. They got a lot of young receivers, like you just said, Quinton Cephas and also uh, Amon St. Ra. Uh, and they look good, but they're going to be better next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but defensively, they're just they're struggling. They've they got a lot, of, a lot of holes there. So because of that, I'm going to go with Baltimore that's as well. That's a big pile of shit. All right, here he's going with Baltimore as well. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts at the Tennessee Titans. Again, if Tennessee goes back to their Jesus. game plan, let's keep it close here, uh, <laughs> run back and forth. Uh, but then also that opens up for Ryan Tannehill uh, and the weapons that he has now. Tennessee's here at home. Indianapolis, I think, again, you've got Jacob Eason starting, not even Carson Wentz, but I think even if Carson Wentz ended up being the starter, this game would have been closer. But right. I'm still going to go with the Tennessee Titans here at home. Yeah, I'm going to go Tennessee. I don't have a lot of confidence in in, in the starting, uh, you know, quarterbacks, yep. and and they're going to get they're going to go through their their issues, you know, as they as they wait on hopefully when's coming back mm-hmm. eventually. All right, next we've got the Los Angeles Chargers and the Kansas City Chiefs at home. Wow, this is a matchup. Let me tell you, this is going to be a shootout, everybody. Woo! It's this either close. this is either going to be a shootout back and forth, or it's going to be extremely low scoring. And a lot of field goals. All right. I'm going to let you take this one first. How about that? I've been riding you know, on the front on these ones. What do you think about this one? This is your division, AFC West. Chargers, Chiefs, Chiefs at home at the kingdom. Uh, they do play you know, better there. But, again, you've seen the holes in the defense here. Oh, it wasn't only for uh, Tyron Matthews' interceptions that he got the last uh, mm-hmm. game, but really those were just mistakes that happened with Lamar Jackson. And the one interception was just because Sammy Watkins slipped in his cut and then didn't have enough time, and that happened to be right when Lamar uh, Jackson threw the ball. Right. Uh, the Chargers, listen, I, I like the Chargers. They're the most complete team uh, when, when, when they're matching up against Kansas City. Kansas City's got the best offense, but we've seen their defense struggle the last couple of weeks. So um, I, I like the, the, the Chargers going into Kansas City and getting, stealing a win here. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Who the hell cares? The, um, the, the Chiefs, too, when you look at it, People, I think that the teams, the last two teams have shown that if you just put a couple guys on uh, Tyreek Hill, just you can lock down those those other receivers even that they have a bit. You know, as long as you can put some coverage on some of them, they're going to get yeah. what they get. Travis Kelsey, well, you, he's going to get what he gets. Still, you see what the out. you see what the Ravens but, did defensively. Mm-hmm. They double teamed Tyreek Hill and then they just covered underneath underneath Travis Kels. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's listen, Patrick Mahomes. Those are the two weapons he looks to throw to all the time. And if they're not there, that that means now he's got to wait a little bit longer, and then that's when the rush starts to get to him, and he might make a mistake that way. I hear Paul says he's got the Titans on the last one. He has the Chargers on this one. I'm going to go with the Chargers as well here on this one. All right, uh, the New Orleans Saints and the New England Patriots. New England at home. The Saints, they're like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde so far this season. You know, he's outstanding this time. 
not so good this time. But really, we talked about it with the biggest questions when we brought about over the summer. And then I asked with the biggest question, maybe is the defense uh, maybe the uh, the highlight of this team? Maybe so far, I think they've been fairly good. Keep them in it. Uh, the first week, the offense played fairly well. But what the hell happened last week? They listen. I, I I mentioned it in the off season that the New Orleans Saints defense is going to go through a little bit of a change. They missed a lot of players. They don't have the, their their star-studded defensive pass rusher and Trey Hendrickson. He's not there. Like they've missed. They're missing some players. So oh yeah, that, you're going to see a downturn in that team defensively and offensively. It's like the roll of the dice week to week with Jameis mm -hmm. Winston. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he's going to be phenomenal, like we saw in week one, and then sometimes he's going to be really bad like in week two so uh this this week uh going up against the the new england patriots i happen to love the the patriots defense up against the, the saints offense and and mac jones who yes he's a rookie but he doesn't play like a rookie he plays like a consummate veteran and i th i feel like he's going to uh dial it up against new orleans he's going to take what's given to him and the Patriots going to have a great game plan going up against the Saints. I got New England at home. Here we go. Uh, Paul says he has the Saints. Uh, uh, I'm taking a look at this one again, and I look at New England at home, and the defense is starting to step up a little more too as well. Uh, Mac Jones, I, I, I brought this up with somebody else. I was talking about them. It's When you see him run the offense, it is really similar to what the Patriots like to do and what you saw with Tom Brady. But when you look at the eye test, you see don't see that aggressiveness that Tom Brady even had. Uh, a little bit he, he, he stepped up even more uh, with that Tom Brady had you know and that's what you're kind of missing with that but but Mac Jones he's put the ball where it needs to be takes what they gives them and it's exactly what the New England Patriots do I like them here at home as well got Atlanta at New York Giants all right uh the Atlanta Falcons man have they been they've been a great disappointment to everybody in the league uh, listen, their offense is going through a little bit of a change now that Julio Jones isn't there, and it, it shows. You know what I mean? Like, their offensive line is not playing up to par. Uh, they don't have, really have a run game because they're always chasing from behind. they got to throw the football. Their defense is, Jesus, it's in, it's in rebuild mode. And uh, so for the Giants at home, listen, they play pretty competitively. I'm going to go with the G-men at home. All right, Joe's going with the G-Man. Yeah, take a look at this. The Giants are actually favorited in this game somehow. This is the Eli Manning retiring jersey game, too, as well. Very uh, special. So hopefully, you know, they can emotionally get into this game here and do it for him, at least. Uh, Atlanta Falcons, again, we knew they were going to be at the end of their division. Uh, we knew it was going to be a rough year for them. Uh, it's sad that Corderell Patterson seems to be their best player on their team at this point. I don't the, think it's sad. Not the, not the most used, though. I mean, it's kind of surprising, I think, for me that they've used them that much, so much in the uh, running back situation. The funny uh, thing is, as, is they, every, as they do, everybody's double teaming Calvin Ridley like you know, mm -hmm, like we expected mm -hmm, yeah. uh, for defenses. But the real go-to guys in this offense is Mike Davis, Corderell Patterson, and then the young rookie uh, Kyle Pitts. Uh, and that's pretty much what it's been to Russell Gage, who we kind of thought was going to make a have a breakout year this year, has done absolutely nothing. Uh, so this team is not only trying to get better, but they're gonna it's gonna take a couple years until we until we see them back in the playoffs. All right, uh, Mike Tackett has Texans, Bills, Browns, Ravens, Titans, Chiefs, Patriots, Giants, Steelers, Cardinals, Broncos, Raiders, Buccaneers. Seahawks, Packers, and Cowboys. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the New York Giants on this one. 
don't uh, fail me again. Exactly. <laughs> perfect. Hope that, that was perfect. Uh, that they don't uh, fail me again in this. Uh, and what's excellent is next week we're going to be having a special interview um, with Lindsay Weitz, who is, uh, I think, the assistant to the president of the Albany Empire here in the National Arena League. She is a diehard Giants fan, and she also has a podcast called Back in the New York Groove. We'll be talking to her a little bit about the Giants, and maybe we'll be virtually crying on each other's shoulders after this week. Who knows? We'll see. But uh, <laughs> right, let's uh, look at uh, uh, next up. We have the Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers here. Uh, hopefully uh, Ben Roethlisberger's booby is good. And uh, the, the Cincinnati Bengals, again, uh, I had some uh, – they do this to me, I think, every year. I think they play fairly well. And I'm like, wow, these guys could be pretty decent. So then I go with them on the next week and pick them, and then they fail me again, just again, just like what I just said with that. Uh, kind of blew it for me. But they made it close. They got back into that game. Uh, but couldn't get it done, lock it in. Uh, but Pittsburgh here, especially if Ben's uh, playing, I think I like them still overall uh, over the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm going to go with the Steelers. Uh, so the Steelers, this is interesting. Just like you're saying, uh, Big Ben, this is a big if. If Big Ben's not there, it's easy Cincinnati. Right. Uh, and the other thing, too, to, to remember is that Bengals are going to be without a couple of their big-time pass rushers. I don't think T.J. Watt's going to be available. Pulling that hamstring or pulling that groin area, and Eli Highsmith, who's kind of stepped on the scene and, and been that extra pass rusher opposite TJ, uh, he also did the same thing in last week's contest. Uh, so, if they're without both pass rushers and the possibility of of Big Ben not being there, I really don't like my chances with Pittsburgh and, and Cincinnati. I like the, the the young group that they have at receiver, and their and their offense seems to be running better. I'd like to see a little bit more from their defense, uh, but. You know how these rivalry games always go. They're going to be close. It's going to be like a grind out type of football game. It's going to be Najee Harris versus, uh, you know, Joe Mixon type of deal. Uh, in the end, uh, it's going to be right down to the wire. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to take Cincinnati on this All one. All right, Joe's going for Cincinnati on this one. The Arizona Cardinals at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Jacksonville has been not very good. Um, again, uh they just don't look at quarterback situations, uh, just constant uh, interceptions here. Uh, and Urban Meyer, his, his offense is just uh, just trying to keep passing, passing, passing and stuff and forget about James Robinson altogether. Um, they're kind of shambles right now. I can't trust them at all. I really like the Arizona Cardinals. I feel bad for the Jacksonville Jaguars because I think the Cardinals are going to come in here uh, with a lot of offensive firepower and that, that defense getting back here at Trevor Lawrence. I like the Cardinals. I'm really sorry, Trevor. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. I'm really, really sorry because not only will you be running for your life, but you're going to be eating more grass uh, this week uh, with this Cardinals defense that's coming right after you with Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt and all these young guys. Uh, it's going to be hard to contest with, I'll tell you that much. And then on top of that, Arizona's offense, the way it's been playing, good luck, Jacksonville. Good luck. I'm going Arizona. <laughs> All right, we've got the New York Jets and the Denver Broncos. Broncos 2-0, Jets 0-2. Uh, again, uh, quarterback just taking going through his 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 turns, man. I mean, it's first starting in in the season. The, the team's overall not very good. Uh, it's a bit of growing pains. Uh, it just so happens they're playing the Denver Broncos here at home, who's been playing fairly well. Uh, you know, but again, if you look at the competition they played against too, it could be judged about. Uh, you know, how good is this team? We're not sure. Uh, we've seen the injury now to, to uh, Bradley Chubb, too. Can't, just can't stay healthy. He'll be out six to eight weeks. Yep. And so, um, but Denver still, I think they still have enough firepower to beat the Jets here. I'm going to ride with the Broncos. 
Yeah, I mean, how how lucky are Denver Broncos for the first three weeks yeah, of football? Right? Uh, they're playing like powder puff teams right now. I mean, uh, how could you not win uh, against these teams? Uh, otherwise, you would have been the laughing stock of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Denver Broncos, listen, they're, they're a decent team. They're a pretty good team. They got a good defense. They got some young, up-and-coming players like Patrick Sertain the second, and uh and then offensively, Teddy Bridgewater is like, you know, he's doing his thing. He's, he's game managing the, the the offense just like he's supposed to be doing. And even though they're without Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, everybody, whoever forgot about this guy, he was out last year uh, with an injury. He's coming back strong uh, with, with young guys like at tight end with Noah Fant and, and mm-hmm. so forth with the running backs that they have. Uh, I think Denver is going to take this. It might not be as easy as some people think. I think the Jets might put up a little bit of a fight early on, but I'm going to go Denver as well. All right, here we go. And now we've got the Miami Dolphins, who never showed up last week, and the Vegas Raiders, <laughs> who are on a roll. Uh, I don't know. Is this a trap game? This looks like a trap game to me. It looks like a trap game It looks like a trap game to me, but, again, Dar- do you want to talk about injuries? Uh, Carr ended up getting hurt for a little bit during that game. Sprained but, ankle. You know, sprained ankle, but he's going to play, right? So He practiced today. Yeah, so I'm feeling hopeful for that. I think the Vegas Raiders, it could be a trap game. It feels like it, but... I really, I'm feeling them them at home, Miami, especially if it's going to be uh, Jacoby Brissett there. He didn't look so hot. I'm going to go with the the Raiders again to go three and oh. (laughs) You watched Jacoby Brissett light it up. Yeah, right. It's going to be hilarious. But but real quick, you know, Vegas is another team that's kind of limping into week three already. Mm -hmm. Uh, Listen, they don't have either one of their starting guards. Mm -hmm. They don't have either two of their starting linebackers. Uh, so this team is kind of going in flux, and they didn't have Josh Jacobs last year or last, last week. week yeah. I don't think Josh Jacobs is going to be available for the next three weeks. I honestly don't. I think in order for him to be 100%, they might have to put him on short-term IR and ride out with guys like Peyton Barber and uh, Kenyon Drake. Uh, but uh, I love Vegas. I, 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 of course, they're my team. But Miami without Tua, to me, gives me a little bit more confidence. And the way this defense has been playing, uh, I like what I see. Don't let me down. Don't fail me in the in the Death Star. All right. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Going so Raiders. here we go. Uh, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Los Angeles Rams. This this is a, a tough nice one. Game. This, this a is a difficult one. All right. This uh, is for sure, again, difficult. Tampa. Uh, they haven't. Met, I don't think a really a lot of whole lot of competition. I mean that that even that Atlanta Falcons game became kind of close for some reason at one point. At garbage time. Yeah. You know yeah. they they came back because Tampa Bay let well, let up mm-hmm, or whatever mm-hmm. and. You know, that's but, what happens. I mean, if uh, I mean, I like the way this defense plays, though, too. Uh, and I think Tampa's B- Bay's defense has been kind of a lax in a been sense. A little at bit times. like Swiss cheese. Uh, so I you know what? I'm going to go with the Rams on this one here. Matthew Stafford welcomes Tom Brady into SoFi Stadium <laughs> and says, welcome. Get out. I guess <laughs> I don't know. I didn't have something planned for that. This one. is my city. <laughs> <laughs> this is not Tampa Bay. Yeah, yes. Uh, uh, but, yeah, yeah uh, this this is going to be a really good game. I, I'm looking r- forward to seeing this game in particular. Uh, two really good teams. You know, now that Matt Stafford is now the quarterback for the Rams, listen, they're cooking on offense. Stafford finally has, like, a wide range of weapons. He's got a, a little bit of a running game, but now Henderson is out. So let's see how Sony Michelle does in his absence. Um, and defensively. I feel like the Rams are playing better defense than I thought they were going to because they lost uh, quite a few uh, big-time players like John Johnson III uh, at safety. Uh, Tampa Bay, 
they're another team that's kind of limping into week three, especially on defense. They don't have their starting corner uh, on the on the one side, and, and uh, Sean Murphy Bunting, he won't be available. I don't know how long. I think he what do you do? Break his forearm, I believe, in week one. I think that's what happened mm-hmm. to him. So I don't even know if he, he might be gone for the year. Uh, but that being said, Tampa Bay, listen, these are this is going to be a dogfight for sure. Uh, I like both defenses, even though Tampa Bay's kind of been given up a little bit here and there. Um, offensively, it's going to be a shootout. I, I, I feel like. I mean, it's going to be the the best offense. Who can, who can prove that they're the best? Uh, what does Mike say? Mike says, "I know we're doing picks, but what is going on with <laughs> with Ruben Foster? Oh, man. <laughs> Botched his his most recent workout yeah. this time with Cleveland. You know what? Real quick, Ruben Foster." He's very talented, uh, a player. I mean, it's not a question of, of him being able to come back and being a dominant force at linebacker. It's more about him mentally and just being a stand-up guy. Like, he just can't do it. Uh, yeah. he, he's, he's in trouble on and off the field. Oh, he, he, just, he just like not, he's, he's just not the right – he can't, can't handle it. So, he doesn't follow rules, so he most likely won't ever find a team. Reality is often disappointing. Yep. Yeah, and again, and that's why, I mean, some of those stories, like Ruben Foster, I hear like, oh, we're going to try him out. We're going to do this. I mean, think it was, the one was the Jets, too. I think, yeah, Listen, okay, I, all right, whatever. I don't care. I think if, if any team would sign Ruben Foster, if any, maybe Ruben Foster just didn't feel like playing for Cleveland. I don't know. Maybe that's why he didn't show up. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing is whatever team gets Ruben Foster, you better have like a babysitter. You, get, you just ha- got to have one. He's got to have like a, a, you know, rent a friend to follow him all over the place. And keep him in line because if you don't, then he's just going to get in more more issues. All right. Yeah, anyway, so, so Tampa so, Bay and and the and the Rams. What you got Rams or Tampa Bay? What are you doing? <sighs> Come on, this is tough. Ride the Stafford train, baby. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna go with uh, Tampa Bay. Gonna go with Tampa. Gonna go with Tampa. Oh man. Gonna go with Tampa there because. I'll tell you why. Because it's Ooh, such a close game, and it could go either way. So why not go opposite? Yeah, why not? It makes it fun. And then maybe right. you, uh, you know, you'll you'll come back strong, and maybe. then you'll tie it up in Hopefully one week. I can. No, I don't know. You we'll could. We'll it's see. only four right, games. Here we go. Seattle and Minnesota. This is a trap game. Like it is. This is like it could be go, a trap. It could game. go anywhere on this. This one could be anywhere. Seattle, you know, failed last week. You know, at home. Uh, they against the Tennessee Titans, who yeah. I thought they were going to win. I know. It was there, and they had the lead, and they let it squander away. And then Minnesota, let it off they played hard, though. So, you know what? If Minnesota can continue to do that in the way they played last week, I like Minnesota at home. So, I think I'm going to do that. I'm going to go with Minnesota at home. Well, how healthy is Dalvin Cook? Because he got banged up last week, but he was running like an animal, though, too. Yeah, he's fine. He's not right, good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm going with Minnesota then. Here, here's my thing. Uh, so... What surprised me about Seattle and, and Pete Carroll, shut the fuck up. Just shut the <laughs> fuck up, bro. Like, honestly, Pete Carroll, what are you doing? At the end of that game, he basically blamed Russell Wilson for the loss. He said, oh, I wish Russell Wilson could have done more for us. Really? Mm-hmm. You, he doesn't do enough already? Listen, Russell Wilson was doing everything in his power to win that game. He wasn't going to force a, a football down the football field with, with, with coverage deep. He wasn't going to do that. He was taking what was given to him. And f- for Pete Carroll to say something like that, how about your defense, Pete? How about your defense didn't step up? Your defense didn't stop Tennessee's offense. That's why you were in the predicament that you were in. 
Get the mm-hmm. frig out of here. It's not like Seattle's offense didn't score points. Shut mm-hmm. up, Pete. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, sorry. I had to, I had no, to say that. That's right. Sometimes, but, you know, it's – but you this game, this game in particular, I'm more confident with Seattle playing at home than I am when they travel. Uh, even though it's a four o'clock game, it's going to feel normal like a one o'clock game to Seattle traveling to the to the uh, kind of I guess central. Um, but Minnesota Vikings, I, I like a bounce back game this week. Mm-hmm. I, I think the Vikings, listen, they they played very strongly on defense last week. Um, they just couldn't come up with the win in the end. Uh, because their damn field goal kicker couldn't make a kick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to go with Minnesota, too, as well, in, at home. All right, excellent. Pointless to resist. Uh, you may be right. It is, yeah, so there you go. Now, Green Bay Packers and oh, San Francisco Jesus. 49ers. What are we going to see from Green Bay this week? Oh, I'm not sure. Because I'll tell you right know, now. look good last week. It's not the same Green Bay of old. Mm-hmm. Like, like defensively, they are just like Swiss cheese. Yeah, yeah. They're like Wisconsin cheddar. Yep. Uh, Green Bay's offense doesn't look like it's in tune like it used to, even with Rodgers, even with mm. Devontae Adams. Like, no, don't get me wrong. Last week they came alive, right, against Detroit, but they should. Detroit's yeah. defense wasn't good. Yeah. So they should. Maybe that's a confidence builder for them going into this week. I don't know, man, but I don't really trust Green Bay 110% like I normally would. Mm-hmm. Um, then you got the San Francisco 49ers. Their defense looks pretty darn good. But it's not as good as when Robert Sala was the coordinator. Mm-hmm. That's the difference there. So D'Amico Ryans is now the D.C. Doesn't have the Niners clicking on all cylinders. It's more like instead of four, it's three cylinders. But it's enough to get the job done with all that talent that they have. And then for offensively, hey, Jimmy G's getting it done. You know, so far he hasn't risked himself of injury. Um, their, their, their offensive plays are – are, are tailored directly to Jimmy G so that way he can get the ball out fast, get the ball in the weapons' hands, and, and just let it happen. Now, who's going to start at running back this week? That's yeah, what that's I want to know. Question too. Yeah. I, wa- I want to know who, which newly signed running back is going to hold the reins here. You know, Kerryon Johnson signed a deal with a one year deal with the Niners. Now you're hearing Chris Thompson just signed a deal yesterday. Uh, look, they're still probably looking for more. Um, Who's going to get the knot? That's what I want. Oh, what Whoa. the hell? Got excited. Dun, dun. <laughs> uh, but, man, uh, San Francisco was at home. I don't like how Green Bay's playing. Yeah. I'm going to go San Fran He's going to go San Fran at home. All right, Joe's going San Fran. I'm not sure on this one it could go any, any way. Uh, again, oh, man, this is so tough. But, uh, hmm. Uh, I'm going to go 49ers, I think, then, too. Why not? Let's do it. All right, here we go. Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas at home, Philadelphia. Uh, This is going to be a tough game just because it is a rivalry. They're going to play each other tough. Uh, I don't want either team to win. I would rather this be a tie. Can they both lose? I want this to be a tie. Can they both lose? Is there a possibility? Both cannot lose. Okay. It can be a tie. Well, I was just checking. I was just checking. Uh, But I think overall, who's playing better? The Dallas Cowboys are playing better. You know, so I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys here at home. Pretty much bottom line. This is tougher for me because I feel like they're so evenly matched. Um, the Eagles' defense has been playing pretty good. Their, their offense has been excelling more than I thought it would. Uh, this is going to be an interesting game. And usually with these interdivision games like in the NFC East, it's usually like they split, you know, split their, their record every season. Uh, this is And because Dallas is home, I feel like that's how I'm going to have to lean too. 
Uh, I like, listen, I, I'm looking for Tony Pollard to have a huge day. Tony Pollard, that's right. You heard it. All right, right there you go. And All then right, Micah Parsons it. at the end, watch out. Yeah. We're going to have some fun. Mm, and I won't be surprised if Philly wins this game either, though. You know, imagine if Micah Parsons did get picked by the Giants like we selected him to be. Oh. I mean, that would have been nice, too. Wouldn't the it have Giants been, defense. you know, if I they were smart? about them, I think. Yeah, because what's uh, Kadarius Tony doing right now? Oh, he, isn't he, like, you know, just chilling? He's complaining about not getting the ball enough and trying to do not a Playing a lot. Yeah, here you go. Hot take coming in. Uh, I just turned all my, That's my buzzers it. off. That's what Mike I'm talking Tackett. about. Hot take. Start Tony Pollard. Yes, Tracy. Mike. Let's yes. start the movement. Let's make a hashtag. Let's do it. Make a hashtag, Mike. Let's make it happen. Uh, all right. That's it for us. Thank you so much to all our sponsors. Uh, Johnstone Supply, Buck Environmental Solutions, Mohawk Honda, PPK, Johnstone Supply. Uh, that's my, that's my there? thing. We have a bunch of there. We think we, Raise think Energy. Raise Energy. Also, I want to say a special thanks to Stephen Murray, who is yeah, the DJ definitely. on Knockout City. You can find it on EA Sports here uh, on all your gaming platforms. Dodgeball game. Uh, he is our voiceover guy. He's helped us out since the beginning. Uh, he's been with us through his family, and we love him. And thank you so much. And John. Um, for from down Monday here. Thank you so much too for everything you've done. Let us use your music every time Thank we you, hear that song. Now I think of us, and that's our our our, our show start. But yeah. I mean, it's from you guys down Definitely. Monday. It's awesome. I love it. It fits us perfect. Um, and thank you so much uh, for allowing us to do that. Yeah, um, guys. Hey, if you're new to the show, we really appreciate you checking us out. Uh, listen, if you also know friends, you got to have friends of yours that love football oh, too, right? Does. Go ahead and invite them over. Uh, go over to YouTube, Football on the No Show. Yeah. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell also so you can get the, the, the notification that when we go live, you can join us. You can talk to us. Listen, we cover everything. Everything football. Everything fantasy, even if you have some questions, some concerns about your lineups, whatever, just drop them down in the comments below. We'll definitely help you out. Uh, thanks so much for the support. We'll see you guys next week. All right, see you. Join us next week from 8 till 10 Wednesday night for more Football on the Know with Jim and Joe.